You're listening to the Screaming Pods Network. Screamcast episode 149. I am Sean Drager, and with me is everybody. BJ Colangelo Woo! joins us. Yay. Hi, I'm back. <laughs> Did you miss me? I missed you. We fucking missed you like crazy. All right, uh, next is uh, Stephanie Crawford. Hey, it's me again. Nobody missed me, but I'm here. I missed you. Aw. And of course, uh, Everyone who has been paying attention to the feed and everything is probably sick of him by now, uh, but Brad Henderson's here as well. I can't believe I'm back on this fucking show. (laughs) But is this Brad Henderson or is this Brad F. Henderson 1 on Twitter? Oh, shit. (laughs) Trolls in the house hitting it hard this year. Uh, anyway, we had an so, imposter. So this is the first screencast of 2018. I want to thank all of you for waiting uh, patiently for us to start up again. Uh, I I wanted to do kind of a hiatus to kind of reset, but I also had things that I wanted to work on. I've always wanted to do a podcast network, so I figured, fuck it, let's do a podcast network. So screaming pods is the network that uh, we've started. It's over at ScreamingPods.com. So we've broken away from oneofus.net, but there's no hard feelings. I emailed Chris. We're cool. We're going to put a banner ad up on oneofus.net over there. Everybody's cool, but it's just been something that I've been wanting to do for the longest time, and I just figured uh, with, you know, Brad decided he wanted to cheat on us with some stupid SOV podcast or something, and uh, I figured... You know, we might as well start up a network if he's going to be doing some side bullshit. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so, uh, so yeah. So we have a couple spinoff podcasts. We have uh, my once a month sci-fi podcast called Xenopod from the Year Five Thousand. You'll find that once a month. Uh, but Brad, tell us a little bit about T A H E S O V P O D. See, I'm not as good as Mike Delaney is. That's true. The S O V pod. I'm kidding. You're great. <laughs> um, yeah, we cover shot of video movies. It's pretty bunch it. And more people listen to the show than they're probably watching the movies, which is crazy to me. But it's fine. <laughs> I'm glad people are listening. Well, you guys make it fun. Uh, you've brought in Arby's as an unofficial sponsor. Uh, official. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna. We're just gonna say official. And we actually had another sponsor hop in, uh, hop on last week. So we'll be sat, uh, we'll be happy to announce that Moon Pie is also uh, <laughs> sponsoring the, the SOV podcast. So Arby's and Moon Pies, people, eat them up so you make us money. <laughs> What's your favorite Moon Pie? Just the original. That banana chicken, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Sean, you need to edit what? that out because I could lose a sponsor. Uh, no, they're, they're, they're not listening to the Screamcast. They're listening to TH. Wait, hold on. T H E S O V P O D I Magdalene. No? Wow. Is that good? <laughs> Never do that again. <laughs> yeah, that is the worst. 
I'm glad we start off our like you know our first episode of the new new year with an impersonation that it's very very wrong. <laughs> we love Mike well, Delaney so much. Misspelled some things. Have I misspelled some things? You just stumbled trying to spell six <laughs> nine letters. Yeah, T H O. Well, see, unlike the unlike unlike the the S O V pod. I don't have a script, so. Whoa! I was kidding. You're dead All right. wrong, wow. sir. No, it's dead actually uh, the Sov Pod, as I call it, is <laughs> very fun. I love it so much. I look forward to hearing you and Mike, Brad, talk about these movies that I will probably never ever watch. And I recommend everyone check it out. So the the Xenopod and the SOV pod you can find over at thescreamcast.com. Um, they have their own separate feeds, so you'll find those there. But uh, you'll, you can also find them all over at screamingpods.com. Uh, Splat House is on there as well. We also brought on Bloody Popcorn, um, which we're huge fans of them. Um, and then Brian Sauer's Just the Discs podcast is on there as well as a beer podcast called Brew Bloods. And then uh, I've been trying to mix up this uh, the network a little bit. And then so we have another film, uh, another film podcast with a gay twist. It's called You Can't Sit With Us, and it's fantastic. So if you haven't heard that. I thought you were going to say the SOV pod again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're, they're doing their first podcast of the new year. Um we're recording, and so tomorrow they're going to be doing there. So it should be hitting these feeds very soon. But um, it's John Doolin and Spencer Spencer Swindon, and uh, they're fantastic. So check them out. And also, along with uh, trying to mix things up, I have my kind of religion uh, podcast. Not really religion. I don't know what really what to call it. Um, spiritual the, the armchair philosopher is on there and then i brought on Philosophy. a couple more to kind to bring to kind of round out that little category um there's a podcast called the life after um which is really great and it's about these two guys who've left religion and it's about their whole their whole journey and they talk about different things per week and it's really great and then there's a kind of more liberal leaning feminist podcast called azer uncaged and they're a part of the network as well so there's kind of a lot for everybody not just horror not just film um so i'm trying to you know round it up round it out to have some kind of you know interesting podcasts and subjects but um but not kind of like trying not to do like the normal fair i guess i don't know so we'll see how it goes it's my big experiment for 2018 yeah you're finally classing up the joint yeah so there may be some other podcasts down the line that will be added to the network. I know that um, some other people have hit me up, and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. So, I don't know. Big well, thank awesome. you. Way to accomplish your resolution, like, 24 days into the year. Yeah, immediately. <laughs> Hell yes. All right. Uh, so today on the Screencast, we are going to be doing what's on your doorstep. We're going to be doing, we're switching out the segments, same segments, but we're going to kind of do them in a different order. We're going to be doing VHS. Oh my God. We'll be talking about 1992's star time. We'll be doing stream screams, talking about 1971's let's scare Jessica to death. And then we'll close out the show talking about, uh, Suspiria and, uh, the, the synapse, uh, Blu-ray and, um, and, and all that. So that's the agenda for today. Um, 
What do you guys say we jump right into what's on your doorstep? Holy cow. I almost forgot. We'll get the door. Pizza. I'll go first, if only because, uh, hi everyone, I've been gone for 12 million years, and I have no idea what I talked about the last time I was on here, so the likelihood that I'm going to repeat something is pretty high. Um, However, there's been some things that I finally caught up on that I would love to share. I'll just kind of run run the the gamut, so to speak, of the things that I saw that I liked. Um, So first on that list is Creep 2, which I'm sure you guys have already talked about, but I'm late to the party. Sorry about it. Finally caught it, and I think that it is fan-fucking-tastic. It's one of the rare instances where I think a sequel surpasses the original. I think that Mark Duplass is he gave the best performance of 2017 um regardless of genre of any film he just i thought he was remarkable um i think that it's because i I can't really call it a found footage film um i think this just definitely more just of, of a pov style of film and it's it's done in the best way possible. The timing is great. I think that the camera adds a lot of the humor and the uncomfortability to it. And that isn't done a whole lot. Um, so I'm very, very excited, uh, that they're going to be making a third one. And I was just blown away by how great Patrick Bryce and Mark Duplass did on, on the sequel. So creep two. Um, what else? I finished up. The Exorcist season two, which I still believe is the best horror television show um, out there. I'm kind of bummed out because I highly doubt that it's going to get renewed for season three because no one really watched season one and no one definitely watched season two. And it's a shame because it's it's great. Um, I think that it's. What network is it on? It's on Fox. Okay, I don't I don't watch normal TV, so I don't know what I like how you just got yelled at. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't really watch watch normal TV either, but I have Hulu, and that's okay. how I ended up watching the first season of The Exorcist, is I just kind of binged all of it. And then when the second season came out, I just watched it on Hulu, you know, when I had the time. And I was just blown away by how scary the effects are, um, the storylines, really intriguing, um, and the showrunner doesn't give a fuck um, and is making the show that he wants to make, which I think is awesome and more people need to be doing that. Um, I've actually been watching a lot of TV. Um, I'm real into season two of Riverdale and Riverdale. I, I, people want to give it shit. They say that it's for like kids or whatever. That's fine. It's fucking Twin Peaks for kids. Every episode this season is named after a horror movie. And then they take inspiration from said horror movie and it it's used in either the camera style or the lighting or the storyline. Um, it's it's really, really cool. I know they're doing a um, an episode, I don't know if it's next week or the week after, where they're going to do Carrie the Musical, so I'm going to lose my shit is what's <laughs> about to happen. But yeah, I'm, I'm really, really digging what they're doing with this season of that. And the only other movie that I really wanted to talk about, and it's kind of a shameless plug that'll be late anyway, but I am one of the 
ambassadors for the Dread Central Presents screenings uh, through Epic Pictures. So there are nine cities currently. We're adding more every day. So if you have a, an indie theater and you want to join the party, um, feel free to hit me up and I can direct you over to Rob Galuzzo and we can see what we can work out. But um, they are original horror films that are being distributed under the Dread Central Presents label, um, which is a subsidiary of Epic Pictures. And one of the films that we are showing tomorrow, so January 25th and the 26th, we're doing a double feature of Turbo Kid and then this Hong Kong zombie comedy called Zombieology Enjoy Yourself Tonight. And it is a fucking blast. Um, it's foreign language, obviously, so you have to read subtitles, but it's about these two these two guys that are, you know, basically have to save the world from the zombie apocalypse and there's like a zombified chicken. And it's super funny and it's really, really fast paced. And it makes me think kind of like a Hong Kong Tucker and Dale um meets like cooties in a way, like because of how kind of absurd everything is. But it's a it's a it's a lot of fun and I am really looking forward to seeing how the audiences around uh around the area are going to respond to it. I really enjoyed it. So I hope they do too. But I watched about a hundred other things, but I don't know what I talked about last. <laughs> so I will cap it at that. Awesome. Dang. Is that, is well, those movies, I, cause I know Turbo Kids available, but is that other movie mm-hmm. going to stream any, anywhere? Like, like on. Yeah. Uh, so, so once the, once the theatrical run is done with them, um, obviously I don't have like the, details as right, to like right. where as it's going but yeah all of these all of these films will be distributed um in some fashion like uh one of the one of the titles that we have later this this year is the lodgers um brian o'malley's film so that's you know the guy who made let us pray that's gonna have like a physical release in addition to screaming, uh, streaming and theatrical that's gonna be kind of like a bigger one whereas some of the smaller guys like they may hit streaming immediately but obviously i don't have all of those answers um but they will be available for for public viewing and this is just kind of like the special if you're in town you get to see it before everybody else nice yeah the lodge is pretty good i like that a lot better than let us pray yeah i really like it too um i'll talk that about that one more when it gets closer to that one being actually released just to kind of like bring it back yeah. in the fold so people can get excited about it but yeah i fucking love the lodgers it's gorgeous very nice uh stephanie yeah what is on your doorstep well during the holidays i was kind of in like a fugue state and like watching a lot of comfort tv so starting in january i started diving back into my blu-rays a little bit more so let's see recently i've been catching up on well, what stood out was probably Green Slime from Warner mm-hmm. Archive. Very nice. And it's it's the kind of like weird space movie that I'm normally attracted to, but I had never actually heard of it before. And it's, I don't know, it's weird, but it's a little tedious until the end. And that's when it kind of won me over it's a little bit like action figures in space and i'm a big sucker for that you know it's little kids in the costumes <laughs> okay that's even better yeah Thank you. <laughs> it's little kids yeah <laughs> i was actually going to talk about creep 2 as well bj 
pretty much covered everything, but it was a great surprise. I really enjoyed Creep. And this was kind of the perfect sequel for me that escalated everything just enough while still living in the world, still keeping everything odd and strangely charming and kind of off kilter that the original had. And yeah, it's one of the ones where you hear about a third one coming, you're actually excited about it, and you actually have faith that they're going to pull it off. So I definitely back that choice up. Um, I've never oh. wanted to drink Francis Ford Coppola wine oh. more than after <laughs> yeah. I watched Creep 2. Like I went to you Target the, the next right? day. And I just wanted to, like, put my arm behind the shelf of all of the wine bottles and just take them all. Hey, sponsor idea for the Sov pod, Brad. <laughs> Sometimes I feel bad because uh, I get stuck in watching older movies. So today I randomly looked around Netflix and I watched a movie called Curve. Oh, the, the horror flick from a couple years ago? Yeah. Yeah, that movie's okay. Like yeah, it's really the definition of okay. Like the lead actress is from Dancing with the Stars. Uh, so I was like, okay. Uh, but I gave it, a, it's very much like um, 127 hours, kind of buried, uh, kind of like, I don't know, the, the director of K-Pax directed this. It, it shouldn't work <laughs> on any level. I didn't but know it, that, but it's it fucking hilarious. <laughs> it, it I just does. I just realized that I tried to watch this movie and could not finish it. No. The second you said the director of K-Pax, I'm like, oh yeah, I tried to watch they this. They should have marketed that shit from the director of K-Pax. Yes. <laughs> no, I almost tapped out after 20 minutes, but uh, I it, got it, distracted it, by something else and I came back to it. And yeah, it, it, it actually, it's intriguing a little bit later. Yeah, no, it has a really satisfying. You are stronger ending. than I. Yeah, it's still a tough. It's it's not not suggesting that anybody watches, but it's not that bad for a rainy day movie. Yeah, I've definitely picked out uh, worse random Netflix choices, but I brought it up because I don't recommend it, and I don't not recommend it, and that makes for great conversation. Apparently, <laughs> great job, me. Okay. No, I, I think those I think those movies are great. There was a movie that I watched, um, I don't know, maybe a year ago, two years ago, that I, I like sometimes recommend, but then I hate myself for recommending it. But it's called mm -hmm. Preservation, and it's about a couple that get attacked by these uh, guys on dirt bikes in the wilderness. And um, it's not a bad movie, but it just also doesn't go anywhere. It's just like it's kind of, you know, female survivalist film, but at the same time, it's just really bland. But uh, it pops up on Netflix all the time and people talk about it and like everybody's the same. It's like, eh, it's OK, I guess. Like, it's fine. I would hate to be a filmmaker that made a movie like that. Where it's yeah. like, hey, you should watch this when you have nothing meh. else to watch because it's okay. <laughs> it's like soup, but it's a movie. Enjoy. Oh my god! <laughs> it's like soup. Oh that needs to go on a poster somewhere. That that yeah. that's a pull quote that needs to go somewhere. I don't know why yeah. I haven't been pull quoted yet. Mm. Uh, to me. That's definitely <laughs> definitely one from the director of K-Pax. <laughs> uh. It's like soup. <laughs> All right. 
And the last thing I can get a little bit more passionate about is I got that uh, double set from Vinegar Syndrome, the five films, five years. Yeah. Where they've been like porting over their DVDs onto Blu-ray, which is great. And I, I'm sorry, BJ, I haven't gotten to the golden age erotica yet. (laughs) I'm waiting for the right time, right? Uh, You know, haven't gotten there yet. One day. Um, One day you'll get (laughs) there. I, I need that encouragement, but anyway. Uh, um, so I've been diving into the horror and exploitation, although I will say uh, I've watched three out of the five. It's definitely more exploitation than horror, uh, but it's a lot of fun. I watched The Mothers, which is amazing. Uh, it's, yeah, it's really good. Uh, oh, I love it. It's just, uh, these women pirates, and they're full fucking pirates with like the scarves around their heads and the badass boots and taking the booty at everything and they uh, break into a prison to free one of their sisters. And uh, you can definitely feel the Roger Corman in it. It's a lot of fun. And uh, I watched murder on the Emerald seas. That which a is blast. It's so one of the strangest weird. films I've ever seen. It has a, it has drag queen. Well, no, not even drag queens. It's like really poor cross dressing that turns into kind of good cross dressing. And at first, you think there's going to be some really terrible gay panic in it, <laughs> and but then they kind of turn it around. And it becomes kind of heartwarming, and Henny Youngman is in it. It's just really strange. It has wacky sound effects. Um, it has a Batman in it. It has everything. <laughs> I, I don't even know if it's exploitation. It's it's like a, a goofy. It's like a kids' party if it was a movie for grownups. It's kind it's of. it's kind of a mixed. It's kind of a mixed genre. Yeah, yeah. if it's a genre at all, I right. I, and then I watched. Uh, I just watched Flesh and Bullets. That, that one's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I watch. Um, was it? Because I, I can't think of what's on those sets. Is it Hang Up that's on there? Yeah. Yeah, Hang Up's really good. So Yeah, but <laughs> Flesh and Bullets, it's like strangers on a train, but it's like strangers on like a broken down Greyhound. It's like, hey, let's crisscross <laughs> these mur- these murders of our ex-wives, but they each fall in love with the ex-wife, and they narrate about why they can't kill the wife. And... Uh, <sighs> It's great, though. It's really terrible, <laughs> but it's great. And it has, like, Aldo Ray, Robert Zadar, Yvonne Carlo. I think Cesar Romero is in it. It's It shouldn't exist. And it was made in 1985, but it feels like it's, like, 1974, 1976, maybe. Uh, but it has, like, really cool... I'm in Las Vegas. And it has really cool vintage... Uh, Las Vegas footage so that's kind of like plus 50 points immediately from me but yeah uh, this set is a blast and I do recommend it if you like really strange things yeah uh, what's his name Carlos uh, um, is it Tobolina that directed that he is such an odd person himself when he like the movies that he's done um just really bizarre shit. I mean, he's done the, like, you know, the X rated stuff, but, uh, he has those films. He did, um, another vinegar syndrome title called Marilyn and the Senator. And it's just, oof. yeah, <laughs> he, he really knows how to make, I, cause I feel that when you watch those movies, 
like the sets and the colors, they make you uncomfortable. I don't know what it is. It's just the cinematography and the and the lighting and the and and the choosing of uh the art decoration decor and the way people dress. He just likes it just makes the what when you watch it it just feels awkward. Um he's really good at that. I don't know if it's on purpose. Yeah, some of the or worst line deliveries I've heard in my life. <laughs> well, that's his uh porn uh porn days where he's because uh, I think he directed Flesh and Bullets after he directed like a string of porn, so um, yeah, he's a, no, he's, a, he's an odd bird. Never that. <laughs> Those so. sex scenes were fairly restrained, so good on him, I guess. Yeah. So is that is that it for you? You watched three of those, you said. So you have um, was it Hang I Up? Have is... Hang Up left and Dungeon of Harrow. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, Hang Up's really good though. So all right. Um, I have no idea where to begin. I honestly don't. Um, <laughs> we should just have an episode dedicated to everything that you've seen. I've I've seen um two hundred and some movies since our last show. Oh God! Um, are you yeah. serious? <laughs> yeah, most of us. Dude, pick but, five. Holy no, no, shit! Yeah, definitely not going to pick all two hundred. Just a hundred. Um, so. Yeah. All right. Where can I start? All right. I'll start with something. I'm going to talk about things that people people know. Um, so I got around to watching The Houses October Built Part Two. Um, if you, why would you do yeah, that? I know. Um, I I didn't <laughs> mind the first one. I thought it was a good premise. If anybody doesn't know, these guys made this documentary about haunted houses back in like 2010 2011 it's a really good doc um but they took all they assembled basically uh what they knew and their um uh kind of the people they met along these uh this documentary and gathered their resources together and they filmed this movie in like 2014 called the houses same title Houses October built, and it's a found footage movie about how people are terrorized by uh, these, like, carnies or whatever from this one haunted house that they visit. Um, and now, three years later, we have a sequel. So if you don't want any spoiler stuff, it ha- I have to spoil the end of the first one and the beginning of, or not really the beginning, because it how it leads into, uh, like, how do you make a sequel when people are kidnapped and buried alive? Um, well... You find out, like, none of that shit happened. It was kind of all a stage. And so then we have another story about how they're getting back together and doing another kind of uh, traveling haunt. And the people uh, start acting weird and then they get terrorized again. It is a fucking chore, though. Oh, my God. Um, I was kind of excited to see it because I wanted to see where they would go. And then I was totally regretted it. And I was so irritated by the end of that movie. I don't even know why I'm really talking about it. But anyways, um, all right. So moving along, um, I watched, uh, (laughs) this is a fun movie. I watched Kung Fu Yoga has Jackie Chan in it. It's kind of a, um, uh, it's a mixed, it's a mixed, I think it's Bollywood like meets uh, Jackie Chan. And uh, it's goofy. It's really hard to dislike things that Jackie Chan does because the dude's like 70 years old, like literally 70 years old, and he's still going 100 percent. 
and he's so great. He's charming. He's funny. And it's just, it's really hard to dislike anything he does. And this movie is absolutely insane. It tries to play off the Fast and the Furious films, and I don't really still know why it's called Kung Fu Yoga. Um, but it has like song and dance. It has, you know, some fun fighting. It has some funny moments. I'm definitely not saying go out and buy this, but if you see it on Netflix and you want to watch a fun action movie, that might be uh, the way to go. I'm talking about movies that I can't really say the most positive things about. But here we go. Um, I This is an older movie I caught, and I was uh, kind of uh, – I was happy that I watched this. It's uh, called Vice Versa. Never heard of this shit growing yes. up. And I'm su- completely really? surprised. Yeah, oh, never man. heard of Vice Versa. So it's uh, Judge Reinhold and uh, Fred Savage. It's basically a male uh, Freaky Friday situation where they, um, you know, uh, Judge Reinhold's kind of this prominent, uh, you know, businessman. His son likes to play in a band, and um, he's a kid, so he's a little reckless, whatever. Um, And they uh, switch uh, spots, uh, basically bodies. And uh, they deal with their shit. So he gets to see kind of the bully side that his son feels. And then he gets to see how uptight his dad is and how a lot of people don't really care for him all that much. And so he brings the kid brings his like carefree spirit into the business and realize that um, he's almost helping his dad in a way because they enjoy this about him. Uh, Very fun, cute, cute flick. So uh, definitely highly recommended. Um, can I talk about, no, um, I watched your, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't think I've, I thought that I saw your, but while watching it, I was like, man, I would have probably never watched this movie again. If I knew it was like this, it's hard to believe that your and crawl came out the same year because they have so so good. (laughs) They have so many. Like, I'm good, or are you talking about the movie? Because I'm just going to take it as I'm <laughs> No, the movie. Your <laughs> is um, the man. Uh, it's so, like, I understand, I guess, why people like it. It's just, it's, I don't know, it just wasn't for me. I'm usually in board with stuff like this. But the whole time I'm watching it, I'm thinking Crawl, because it has so many similar themes and tones as Crawl does. I mean, we start with our cavemen, and then we end up ripping off Star Wars. And, you know, like kind of the Star not rip off, but the Star Wars riff, exactly what Crawl does. It's like Vikings and fucking lasers and magic and shit. And what's um, wrong with that? I think I, pe- I think people that grew up with it will like it. But I think it's, it's I mean, also it's, it's, one of those I, things. I it's goofy as shit, but I, you know, it, yeah, you have to be somebody who likes the stuff and likes these movies, you know. But I do. It's just I don't know why it just didn't. It just didn't. Yeah, it's all good. It just didn't do you like Star Crash? I love Star Crash. Okay, I'm just checking. All I right. mean, that's okay. the thing is I typically I typically like this type <laughs> of stuff. It's just I don't know why your didn't grab me. Um, I was just wanting the glaive to show up and it turned into crawl when it did. <laughs> um, and then I got to see Insidious Four, which I thoroughly enjoyed. I'm a big uh, Insidious fan. I know that the series kind of gets shit on, but I enjoy everything about it. 
I think it's a uh, a fun franchise that connects all the you know the fourth one connects all the films together. Um, it's got a cool villain. Uh, Lynn Shay is great, seeing that she kind of took over this franchise with part three. Um, you know, she's big in part three, and now she's basically the leading lady in four. Um, it's it's creepy. It's scary. Like I said, it ties everything in. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's cool to like grow up watching Lynn Shay in, in, in so many different movies. Um, you know, like Nightmare on Elm Street and fucking Detroit Rock City and just like, and then seeing her be the lead in a film and also, uh, having this franchise being created. Cause not too many, uh, writers get to continue their own franchises. Uh, it's, you know, always gets jumbled around, gets sold. But Lee Wanell is actually doing, uh, writing these films, uh, and, and creating this, uh, universe and this mythology of all these char- characters the way he wants it to be done, which I think is great. And it's one of the reasons why I kind of like, uh, the Chucky films, because Don Mancini has written them all. Um, you know, he has creative control over his baby. And I, I think that's a lot of fun. I, I, I dig that quite a bit. And also, like, think about the career trajectory of Adam Robitaille. Like, yeah. he was such a favorite of mine because I unironically love the 2001 Maniacs films. I think they're ridiculous. And he's, you know, Robert England's like, redneck son who's, like, fucking sheep. And then he switches from acting, directs Taking of Deborah Logan, which no one had really heard of, but then it hits yeah. Netflix, explodes. So good. And then he gets to di- then he gets to direct, you know, this mega blockbuster franchise. Like that's incredible to me. And that would happen nowhere else other than horror. And that like I get really excited and sentimental about things like that because people shit on the genre so much but where else would that opportunity exist like no one's gonna let somebody who once played a sheep fucker direct (laughs) like some oscar bait movie it's not gonna happen but horror is like yeah no you proved yourself here you go here's a franchise and he brought lynn shay with him from 2000 right (laughs) oh she's so great in that too yeah she's uh she she's she's a fun She's a fun lady and she always she's a great character actor. Um and it's just it's just nice to see her on the big screen. Um And then last but not least, I'll tie up with this one. Um Opera is available on Blu-ray and since we're talking about Suspiria, yes. Op- Opera is available um on Blu-ray for the first time, I believe. I don't know if any other companies released it on on Blu-ray. So it's a Scorpion Code Red kind of combo. Um it looks great, I think. Um, and it's every time I watch it, I kind of forget um, how beautiful and how brutal the movie is. I tend, I tend to like. I think it's one of those. I think Opera and Inferno always get pushed back on kind of when people think about like Argento at his best. I mean, because of course we talk about Suspiria and all that, and even people mention Demons, which uh, you know is not really. Uh, the same thing as directing our, our Argento film, but um, opera has so many beautiful moments and the colors are popping off the screen and seeing that bullet hole or uh, that uh, peephole bullet scene in HD is just so good. Um, very, uh, 
it seems like he made that a little bit before his time. Like he was doing a few things like Suspiria, which we're going to talk about. I mean, it's very colorful. It's very beautiful. It's very arty. Uh, opera does that, but it also has the brutality in it where it's really, it's really tough, uh, at times to watch because there's a couple times where you just grit your teeth. Um, and it's like, Oh God, that's, that's fucking intense. And, but it is also very beautiful, which I, um, I enjoy. So yeah, that's, that's available on Blu-ray. It's fairly cheap too. So I would suggest picking that up. Yeah. I think they released the standard and they're going to do like a limited edition later. Yeah. I keep hearing that. Is is just the soundtrack or something? Uh, I have no idea. Probably the steel book. Yeah. Fuck that. Maybe. I don't know. I still have my Anchor Bay DVD though. What do you got, Sean? I finally watched the movie Popcorn, and this is like the first time I'd ever seen it. I got the Synapse Blu-ray, and of course, it's an ode to kind of the William Castle films, and I don't know why I hadn't seen this sooner. It's like a love letter to all these films. It's uh, it's funny. It's well done. Like the movie within the movie, or the movies within the movie, are all really fun. I would love to uh, just sit down and watch some of those, and... Uh, and yeah, it looks fantastic on Blu-ray. So, I mean, enough, you know, this is a whole big thing, but people were talking about popcorn forever and wanting it on Blu-ray forever. And, and, uh, there was some, some sort of mix up with some sort of Kickstarter and all that stuff. But, uh, but, uh, yeah, it, there's it, a whole lot of drama. Yeah. That's not a, a can of worms you want to no, open. I'm not going to open that up, but, uh, but they, you know, like Synapse normally does, they'll do like the Steelbook version and then they'll release you know, maybe six months to maybe even a year later, they'll release like the standard edition. And that's what I eventually, I was patient and I waited for it and uh, I'm glad I did, but, uh, looks, looks fantastic. And, um, the, there's like a making of documentary. Uh, it's like about an hour long. That's pretty great, but I don't think it's the making of that was talked about. I don't know. Like I said, I'm not going to open up the, <laughs> I'm not going to open up that can of worms. Nope. It's, it's a different one. Yep. It, yep. <clears throat> opening the can to say it is not the same one and then closing that can right back up. <laughs> yep. Okay. Uh, move, but it, but it's great, man. I, this is a movie that's going to get, uh, rewatched, uh, over and over again. Uh, I may throw this into my kind of even Halloween kind of pile and just watch it every year. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, <clears throat> I finally saw brawl in cell block 99 with Vince Vaughn. We've talked about I'm this. I'm really curious to hear what you think about this. Well, I absolutely, I loved it and I'm hit or miss with Vince Vaughn. Um, when at the beginning, when he starts just tearing apart that guitar, the, 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 the not guitar car, um, when he starts tearing apart that car by hand, I was like, Holy shit. Like I've never seen Vince Vaughn like that. And he's a, like, I knew he's always been tall, but I guess I've never really, uh, he, he's just, I don't know. He's a, he's a big guy. He's always looked just tall and lanky, but he, they do a good job of kind of showing you that he, he's a pretty big guy. Um, at least in the, in this film and they do a good job of that. I, I liked it a lot. I thought it was, um, really well done. I thought that the, the gore got like past exploitation into kind of almost comical, uh, near the end. So it kind of, so it's like at that point I couldn't really take the movie that seriously anymore. I was like, all right, well they're just they're just now they're having fun, and um, so there, there's a lot I really dug about it. Um, and 
my my wife actually sat and watched the end, and she liked the she thought the end was really touching. Oh, <laughs> it kind of was. Do I have to revoke my card if I admit that I I'm such in the minority, but. Brawl and Cell Block Ninety Nine did not do anything for me. <laughs> no, you don't have. I mean, I've, like, there's. I've, I've, I've the answer I've is yes. People, I've seen a few people. Yeah, I think you're it's entitled be- to your opinion. <laughs> I just think that, like, I've watched so much exploitation over the years that I was like, okay, I get it. I get what you're going for, but I've seen this done already and better and. Uh, I don't know. I'm a piece of shit. I just no, no, no. I wanted to love it, and yeah. I did not. And then I like went on the internet when it became you know more available, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, BJ, have you seen this? You're gonna love it. Have you seen this? You're gonna love it." And I was like, "I have seen it. I don't love it. Stop recommending this movie to me." <laughs> not really, Doug. I think that it tries a little too hard on the exploitation angle. I think they actually could have toned down. Yes, it does. Um, the insanity of the gore because it just gets it's just too much. It's like if they would have toned it down. It would have been a little more realistic, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what they're trying for, but I had I had fun with it. And once I kind of just took it as, all right, this is this director doing the exploitation, uh, we're fine. So I dug it. Moving along uh, to another hyped up film. Uh, this is directed by Joe Lynch. It's called Mayhem, starring star, st- fuck what? yes, Mayhem, starring uh, Stephen Yuen and Samara Weaving. I did not like this film. Same. What? Charlie. Yeah, mate. What? Charlie I love agrees with me. Love Joe Lynch, but Mayhem blows. I think I loved uh, Mayhem. I want Charlie. Well, at least we're even now. I was gonna say this is why I'm on the show. I'm just the contrarian to whatever the fuck you guys like. Uh, uh, so, well, I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, I've seen this type of stuff before. Um, this was tough. Like I, it was like trying to be maybe funny, but then also kind of wasn't. But I also didn't really connect with the lead character. Like I didn't care like about his plight to get to the top. I don't. I don't know. You know what I mean? Because I like it's in this movie. They all basically get infected with a virus, and it all causes them all to kind of act on impulse. And different people have different reactions. And the the building goes on lockdown, and and he basically is going up to the top to uh you know because he has some disagreements with management and stuff like that, and 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 it's just I just didn't care I guess that much about it. I don't know. This is one of those I don't know if I rewatch it, maybe I'll have a different reaction to it. But I just I just didn't like it. Like I just, I couldn't wait for for it to end. I just like could not connect at all. <laughs> I don't know. I've seen it twice, and I'm yeah, I didn't. I, I try, like I try my, I try my goddamn hardest to like Joe Lynch's movies because I, I absolutely love Joe Lynch. I would give him a kiss on the lips. I he's love Holliston. Guy, yeah. I love Wrong Turn Two. He's very smart, but God damn it, I haven't liked any of his movies since fucking Wrong Turn Two. <laughs> Are you serious? I fucking loved Everly. Oh, Everly's thought- a piece of shit. Oh man! I, oh no, I, my god! I liked, I'm going to Everly. fight you. <laughs> I'm a fan of Everly. I, I I really like. I really dug that flick. Uh I I do prefer Everly to Mayhem. I think that it's a better film, but I really enjoyed Mayhem. I thought it was a lot of fun. But yeah, Everly's my jam. Y'all can fuck yourselves. <laughs> I was talking to someone about uh, about Mayhem. I forget who I was talking to. So if you're listening, I apologize. But um, I I 
in talking about this, it sounds like mayhem worked better, like in a, with a theatrical crowd and because people kind of going in and, and having fun with it. And with, so I, the kind of, I did watch like, it with a group. Yeah. It just seemed like people who saw it with a group had more fun with it. Cause like me, like I watched most of these by myself because I am a sad bastard, but, uh, so maybe if I would have seen this with a group, maybe it, just seeing people react to it and everything like that, maybe it would have been, uh, helped out a little bit. I don't know. But I mean, I love Joe Lynch. Like, dude, keep making, uh, you know, these, these crazy flicks, you know, I mean, stuff's not for everybody, but, um, he's, I would never doubt his filmmaking skills at all. And, um, I, mean, I did like, uh, Steven, is, is it UN? Um, cause he's from walking dead and I, I've, I've like the few walking dead shows. I've always liked him as an actor. And I think he does a great job, um, with the role and, um, Samara weaving is, is great as well. So I, I don't know. I don't fault any of the actors. I just didn't like connect, but moving along with another film that got a lot of hype and that I didn't connect with, uh, is a film called good time starring Robert Pattinson. I don't know if you want to dig that hole. Dig a hole and just lay down. Robert Pattinson is (laughs) great. Start start pulling the dirt on top of you. It takes place place over one night. Basically, his character uh, basically is trying to get his brother uh, out of jail and kind of follows him as he's, uh, you know, trying to get all this done. Um, I don't know. I I thought we were going to have a good year. <laughs> it's another one like I, I heard it people a lot of people talking about it everyone said they loved it um and it just didn't as a whole as a film i didn't connect with it i thought robert pattinson was great like more stuff like that from him would be would, would be fantastic um but i didn't you know i just didn't connect with it i kind of got a little bored and just you know didn't really care if he you know helped his brother out or not but that's just wow. me but I hear it's really good, and uh, I hear a lot of people are talking about how good <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And, You're uh, absolutely right. You have heard that. <laughs> I've, I've heard it's good. I did not think it was that good. I thought it was okay. So, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. It's fine. It's fine. All right, and finally, Brad, you've <laughs> talked about uh, this. I believe you've talked about this film. I think you even told me about it when you first heard about it or something. It's called The Osiris Child, Science Fiction Volume 1. Yeah, I've been talking about that movie for like 10 years. Yeah, uh, this is by Shane no Abbas. No one's fucking watching it. I know. It's a it's a low... I mean, the things he was able to do on a low budget for a sci-fi film, building this ambitious like sci-fi world, um, and this building the story and all the world building that goes on with it, um, it's pretty great. So if you're a sci-fi fan, like definitely give this thing a watch. Um, you'll definitely... like. I don't know how they did all this stuff on this measly budget that he had because he has like uh, like all the creatures I think are practical like all these there's these big yeah. creatures that kind of and Brad, I don't Brad, the budget isn't too. said yet yeah. have, I don't know what his budget was but okay so, I would like to know because that's a that's a million that's a multi million dollar looking movie yeah yeah but I highly doubt he even had close to a hundred like a um, million dollars for that. Yeah. Because I mean, he did the same thing with Infinity. Like Infinity yeah. looks incredible, yeah. But Infinity's the great budget too. was like fucking like a hundred thousand dollars or some shit. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's very it's a very bland movie. Like as far as storyline goes, it's very by the books. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah. um, the characters are really great. Uh, I love the fucking ending is amazing. The whole thing with like the Ravager things being on the ground, have you know, sending yeah. the guy to help help his daughter. Um, it kind of rips off Chappie from the D Antword characters that are in Chappie, <laughs> and they throw them in this one, but they're a lot better because they're uh, you're able to understand them and they're not annoying. Um, but, uh, yeah, I love, I love Osiris Child and I hope, because, I mean, obviously he's setting this up for a franchise, um, but being it's so small, I, I, I don't know if he'll do another one. I really hope he gets to. He's a hell of a director, man. If you got to make a movie for $10, hire Shane Abbas. (laughs) Guy can stretch a buck, man. Jesus. Yeah. No, it's good. It's out on Blu-ray. It looks great. Um, they actually throw in like all these featurettes about the making of it. And it just makes me love the film even more. Just kind of seeing what they're able to do. So if you're a sci-fi fan, uh, definitely check the sucker out. It's it's pretty good. And Josh Obershaw returns to bring us the Blu-ray news. Josh, what's up, man? I'm back. I'm back and I'm ready to rock and roll. Happy belated New Year, good sir. And a happy belated New Year's to you and everybody else as well. All right, so it's been uh, it's been a minute, and there's been a lot of announcements. So what I asked you to do before we uh, got together here was uh, try to pick uh, some highlights and things that people shouldn't miss because, uh, man, it's getting sensory overload with some of these releases. So what do you have for us? All right, well, the highlights from the uh, the past couple of months or so, well, I guess between the last time we recorded, I guess it's been a month, but <laughs> basically uh, we got two months' worth of stuff from Arrow to tell you about. The highlights for their March releases include a double bill of A Pistol for Ringo and The Return of Ringo. That is coming out on both sides of the Atlantic on March 19th and 20th, respectively, the UK and U.S., same thing with Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Mm-hmm. We're getting that on uh, March 26th in the UK and the 27th here in the US. And if you have a region free player, the UK is getting Flowers in the Attic. That one is coming out on March 12th. So for April, we've got Blade of the Immortal. That's going to be a UK only release. That comes out on April 2nd. There's a box set called the Seijun Suzuki, The Early Years Volume 2. That one is for both sides. That's uh, April 16th and 17th. The UK also has an Amazon video exclusive called Go to Hell, Bastards. I don't remember the release date for that one, but it's in April. And they're also re-releasing a whole bunch of stuff that was part of box sets or were limited releases like Donnie Darko. Um... For the UK, they're getting uh, standard editions of Carrie. That George Romero box set is getting split in three separate releases. You know, stuff like that. Okay. One thing I wanted to say about Blade of the Immortal uh, for the US, uh, Magnet's releasing that. So just so there's no confusion um, on that. I'm sure people would uh, would be asking. That's right. But yeah. So Arrow's distributing on their side and then Magnet, of course, distributing on uh, on our side. Moving right along to Synapse. Now, for anybody who missed out on the super expensive limited edition of Suspiria that came out in December or just didn't want to pay the 50 bucks for that, 
Synapse is releasing a two-disc standard edition as well as a single-disc Blu-ray on March 12th. So we don't get to wait long for that one, as opposed to past releases like Popcorn or Phenomena and stuff like that. The February package for our sponsors, Vinegar Syndrome, includes the following. Penitentiary 2, Pray, Mary Mary, a DVD-only release, Nightcaller, as well as another Picarama. The two features are Sessions of Love Therapy and 100 Acts of Love. That one comes out at the end of the month. Of course, if you order directly from Vinegar Syndrome, you can get the whole package for a discount price. You can get just the Blu-ray DVD combos for, you know, a decent price. But also in addition to that, they are going to be releasing standard editions of Liquid Sky on April 24th. And actually, their standard editions of Red Mob and Sweet Sugar are available right now. Yes. Yeah, I missed out on those two, so I'm really, really curious about it. Really, really quickly, Penitentiary got released by Vinegar Syndrome in January. February's Penitentiary 2. I think it's a foregone conclusion that Penitentiary 3 is going to be March. What do you think? <laughs> I hope so. I can't wait to watch these movies. Oh, those movies are fun. Like uh, the, the first movie is straight up black exploitation. Uh, the second movie is completely different. It's a little bit more comedic. It's it, it's kind of a weird comedy action hybrid with Mr. T. <laughs> Perfect. I still haven't seen the third one, so that's kind of what I'm hoping that how this plays out. Next up, did I – oh, yeah, Kino Lorber. They are going to be putting out season one of the classic television series The Outer Limits on March 27th. 24 episodes, completely remastered. They all have commentaries. I've never seen this show, so I think this is going to be a good entry point. I, I confessed on Twitter that I've never seen the show before. So you got to be careful when you confess shit on Twitter, man. Got to watch out, especially what you haven't seen. <laughs> I don't care. Come at me. <laughs> we all have those gaps. <laughs> okay, finally, I want to mention this uh, label that is just coming out, MVD Rewind Collection. Mm. They already have two releases out right now, DOA, A Rite of Passage, which is a punk rock documentary, and Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. And later on down the line, we've got Black Eagle starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. That one comes out on February 13th. Savannah Smiles comes out on April 24th. And Jim Warnowski's Return of Swamp Thing uh, is dated for May 8th. Yes, I have the UK version of it, so I'm pretty happy, but uh, I'll be buying that too. It's seriously one of my favorite Warnowski movies. How do you pronounce that? Winorski. Winorski. Listen to the new Splathouse uh, episode, by the way. You'll hear Mike and Jim Winorski uh, going back and forth trying to say his name correctly. It's uh, it's fantastic. A little plug there for Splathouse. It's great. Winorski. Winorski. <laughs> and one more release from uh, MVD to let you know about. It's a movie called Wind Rider with uh, Nicole Kidman. That one was originally supposed to come out in March, but apparently there was a rights issue with them and MGM. It was put on hold, but according to Amazon, you can pre-order it, and the release date for that is June 28th. Nice. I haven't heard of that one. I'll, I'll, 
have to check that one out. Early Nicole Kidman is a must. Oh yeah, definitely for sure. Uh, MVD Rewind has a Facebook page, so if you want to look that up there, go right ahead. They've got all the news of stuff that they're going to be putting out. So those are the pretty much the big highlights for the first month or two of this year. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, Arrow has been a little little quiet lately, but they said they're going to be ramping up some uh, some more announcements. So um, one of them, oh man, one of them, oh shit, oh shit, Josh. Oh, I skipped over one. Yes, th- and this is one I'm really, really excited for. I'm going to put a pre-order for this one. We had a tease by some other company, overseas company. Uh, That's and right. that got canceled. Josh, what are they releasing? Fuck the 12 Monkeys stuff. 12 Monkeys, whatever. Uh, wh- what are they releasing, Josh? Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. <laughs> yes. I'm a little excited. <laughs> it doesn't have a release date yet, but we're getting that in... in um, some at some point this year but also i also forgot april 10th for the u.s only we are getting a limited edition of dario argento's deep red yeah that is the one i put my uh pre-order on not elvira that that one's not up yet finally elvira ah oh, so excited all right man that's it i'm done <laughs> <laughs> all right josh thank you very much for uh for the update i'm sure we're all um writing all these down and our uh, Blu-ray budgets will weep uh, a little bit, but we will scream with glee as soon as the shit hits our mailboxes for sure. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Josh. Thanks. We'll talk to you next time. We'll talk to you next time. talking about 1992's Star Time. It is starring John P. Ryan, Michael St. Gerard, and Maureen Teefy. Kept from suicide by a show business hustler, a TV addict becomes the baby mask killer. Hurts when you're robbed and they take away what's yours. Oh, yeah. I thought about putting an end to it once too, pal. And you know what saved me? You. Yeah. You. And every single human being who carries a cross of awareness in this world. I don't want to make you feel guilty, pal, but what about them? If you and I cut the cord, what happens to them? Who? Each of those tender, sensitive souls out there who week in and week out experience with you and me the the magic of our favorite TV show, The Robertson Family. Tonight, that very special TV show has been taken off the air. Forever. You and I are not the only ones crushed by the loss. But I will say this, that not everyone has the courage to go for the total blackout like you and me. Wanna jump with me? 
written, directed, and produced by Alexander Cassini, who, uh, trivia, was is married to Maureen Teefy, or was at the time. Wow, that's some really good trivia. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. So like I said... I feel uh, enlightened. <laughs> so John P. Ryan, he plays Sam Bones. You may recognize him from Class of 1999. Uh, he was also yes. in Bound and Best of the Best. Michael St. Gerard played... He's a Henry Pickle in this, and he played Elvis in, like, everything that starred Elvis, or <laughs> that needed an Elvis around that time. He was in Great Balls of Fire, he was in Heart of Dixie, and then he was in this TV series uh, called Elvis. So, uh, that's interesting. And then Maureen Teefy. So, just uh, some, some typecasting. Yeah. Uh, she plays Wendy, and uh, I couldn't really find a whole lot on her. She did a lot of TV, um, but she was Lucy Lane in Supergirl. And she was Sharon in Greece too. Oh, um, hell yes! You <laughs> got my attention. I knew. <laughs> I knew. I uh, always think she was in Jesus Christ Superstar because she feels like the kind of person who is in <laughs> Jesus Christ Superstar. She's not. Huh. That's a trivia <laughs> fact for you. Interesting. Um, so, <laughs> so right now, uh, this is this was VHS only, never really made it to, to DVD at all. Uh, you can find this uh, in certain places, and uh, I I thought this was Brad. You were like, as soon as we mentioned we were going to do this for the show, you were like, oh, I can't wait to see what Sean thinks about this thing. What what did you think that I would think about uh, Star Time, Brad? You hate everything, so I thought you'd hate it. <laughs> I thought I actually thought this was a lot of fun. Like this was obviously lower budget, basically three principal actors. Um, felt very stage play in a sense, just because it was you know, there's the three main actors. But um, uh, man, I had fun with it. Man, I, I I was curious to see exactly what was going on. I thought I knew what was going on. I was able to kind of figure some things out. Um, but that baby mask, man, when he puts that mask on and he smiles, removes his mouth, it looks like he's doing this weird smile, like genuinely just unsettling. Uh, and yeah, I, 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 I really, uh, had some fun with this. Um, there's, we'll, we'll talk about it a little more there. Um, but I want to hear, um, let's go around and initial thoughts from everybody. But uh, yeah, man, I, I loved it, man. Good. Um, so my initial thoughts can be summed up with a dramatic reading of the one and only IMDb review of this film. <laughs> I copied that as well. I put it down here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to read it. And I'm going to emphasize exactly where they emphasized it because Please. I think that's what really nails it home. So the title of this review in all caps, not a slasher film, very atmospheric. Agreed. Fair point. I expected Star Time to be yet another expired early 90s horror film, and the box cover and tagline suggest that too, unfortunately. But I was very wrong. Star Time is a perfect example of what a lot of 80s slashers wanted to be. It's more of an adult slasher, as it really wouldn't appeal to a teenage audience. This film, most of all, is very atmospheric. I agree. A lot of it is boring, but the whole idea behind it is ingenious. Three out of five stars. Star Time is a pretty good horror film that I think horror fans, even casual ones, should see. 
that's a pretty fair assessment of this movie. Yes. I don't know if I yeah. would say it's that atmospheric. Um, yeah, it's atmospheric, but it's not very atmospheric. Um, <laughs> um, but I do agree with him. I thought this was going to be a slasher film. I was wrong. And I I had fun with it. I think that it's... It's something that I wish I would have seen earlier. Um, the baby mask is super creepy, and I like that baby masks in the last couple of years seem to be making a comeback. Um, so now I just want to watch a bunch of baby mask horror movies. Um, so yeah, this this one was fun for me. How about the rest of y'all? Uh, for me, I uh, was a little torn on it. So I will say uh, Sean didn't mention Michael St. Gerard being in Hairspray. Oh, man. That is correct. So that that was exciting for me. Uh, Yeah, I I, I think it was atmospheric, uh, but very uneven. I thought the pacing was really strange, which might have actually worked in its favor because it had kind of like a fever dream quality to it a lot of time. Um, Even though the plot reminded me a little bit of more long lines of starry eyes for some reason i kept thinking of the movie looker with this one and i'm not sure why uh it might have been the look they have nothing in common but i kept thinking of looker um i and oh there are a lot of parts where i wished it was directed by larry cohen like specifically because i think that would have been perfect because it uh the directions it veers off into if it was handled i i don't know like a little bit more deftly i probably would have completely fallen in love with this movie so i have reservations about it but it's so interesting and i do think maureen tifi was amazing in it um the performances are really nuanced for all the crazy shit that was going on uh in the film uh, so I'm glad I saw it, but I can't, you know, I didn't fully fall for it. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. okay. Brad, Brad, what do you think? Uh, well, Star Time has been a favorite of mine for a while. Um, I found the tape when I was younger at a Goodwill in the VHS bin. And I, too, thought it was a slasher, and I popped it in, and I was wrong. But it grew old with me. I I, I still watch it uh, again uh, every once in a while when it just depends on the friends I have over and the movies we're talking about and what I'm else I'm showing around it. Um, I best describe this film as if uh, Ken Russell in the '80s had a fever dream with Adam Rifkin. <laughs> uh, making a lengthy Tales from the Crypt episode. <laughs> that's Perfect. what it. That's what it feels like to me. And I, I mean, I understand when people say atmospheric, but with what you said, Sean, about being a stage play, yes, it feels like a stage play making a Tales from the Crypt episode because it has that haze, that fever dream like mm-hmm. quality, which a lot of the drama episodes of Tales from the Crypt had. Um, we also get to see John Ryan in a light that we've never seen before. Like John Ryan play or John P. Ryan, I guess it's to say to clarify um, a little bit better. Uh, John P. Ryan always plays. He's so good at playing a psycho, but he doesn't really play in too many dramatic roles. 
but he still got to play a psycho in this uh as far not not like a psycho per se but a weird uh character very much like from Adam Rifkin movies um kind of Svengali yeah like a like a um you know like a a dark bat like a lost character out of the dark backward or something but um yeah it's 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 not a slasher uh it once it it you know it's it almost turns into like there's even like those times where it kind of turns into what it could have been like an erotic thriller like when he's like sitting on the dresser watching uh you know the woman in bed naked and you know she's doesn't have any covers on her um it reminds me of stuff like horror and like sliver and stuff like that too um but it's it's like the perfect definition of uh the 90s like fever dream movies um and I, i've always enjoyed it and i think it's it's one of those films that you can you can plug in when uh you think your friends have kind of seen it all um and maybe like bookend it uh or not bookend it put it kind of in the middle with bookends of like a ken russell like uh you know crimes of passion and then like end it with like uh you know um you know the dark backward from adam rifkin uh, kind of in that realm. So I've I've always enjoyed it, and I I'm I'm hoping soon it will be uh, talked about more and be able to seen widely um, on Blu-ray eventually. Hopefully soon. It will. Yeah, I was going to say I was googling around a little bit earlier, and I think the because um, it is unfortunately on YouTube. But one of the comments on it was this was coming to Blu-ray in 2018. I don't know how much stock i'm gonna hold in that i think that this is this will be a film that would benefit greatly from a blu-ray release because i also think that it is it's hitting at a good time where you know we're kind of obsessed with sort of the the black mirror world of when reality and entertainment combine um i mean tragedy girls was a huge hit and that's sort of like a modern look at something similar like kill a bunch of people wear a creepy mask be famous kind of thing um and then obviously the starry eyes comparison makes a lot of sense but i think i think this will be one people will be really excited to find um and i like that it you know because it's early 90s it's like just at the start of when sort of that like fame hungry streak started happening within our culture so in a lot of ways this movie's really out of its time yeah with with the actor i mean i don't think we talked about the plot all that much but yeah, i was uh, just it, about it, to bring it up go ahead it Brad. has well I, I love when you do the plots but i was gonna say <laughs> um it, it's it a pretty does, simple plot i mean no, it is, but it's it's a it's a very um, it, it's a thinker at, at times. I think is it. I mean, is it is it a thinker? I don't know. Like, there's there are some hidden things in the film, but I mean, uh, ultimately, it's. Um, I agree with BJ. It's like one of those things where, uh, it's people want to be and like need to be famous. And they're willing to go any route to do it. That's kind of how I, I feel. Like I don't know if that really aligns with the plot all that much of the film, but that's uh, kind of the desperation in the in the character. I, I like to see, um, and that's kind of what makes the movie a little bit more unique. But Sean, why don't you segue into the plot because I want to hear it? Well, I mean, I've I, you know kind of 
is this guy who he's seeing a like like a social worker. He's a bit disturbed and his favorite television show gets canceled. So he goes up to the roof. Uh, he does it, creates a suicide tape, uh, gives it to his uh, social worker, Wendy, and goes up to the roof and he's going to basically jump off the roof. And then that's when John P. Ryan's character shows up and um, basically says, look, come with me and do, you know, do what I say. And, uh, you know, we can help, uh, I don't know, save television or something like that. And that's when these uh, gratuitous murderers uh, start coming in. Um, and, uh, and that's, that's that, that's that. See, I'm awful at closing down the plot. I never want to give too much away. I don't want to just tell the whole story, but. But, uh, I, no, I, but I, I think, think that's I the think setup. That, I think that sums it up as as the setup, and then it, I think it's executed very well, um, and kind of uh, you know what it you know sums up to be and turns out to be. I I, I just think it's really well done. It's uh, you know even somewhat of a psychological thriller. But then I hate calling horror films psychological thrillers, so it's a it's a horror psychological thriller. Yeah, that's um, elitist Oscar talk. Thing. We have no room for that here on the Screamcast. Yeah, hoity toity. No, even though I don't think I liked as much as everyone else, um, although I did appreciate it, immediately after it ended, I thought to myself, I should probably watch this again in about seven months. Because <laughs> it's one of those ones I'll, I, I've been thinking about since I've seen it, and it's one of those ones I usually appreciate more on the second watch. If that makes any sense. No, yeah, it Very does. Nice. Sorry, I'm not, I'm not distracted. I'm just uh, I'm blocking uh, some troll guy on Twitter who's uh, continually trying to. Why are you on Twitter? Get you us to do something because it was freaking it was blowing up, and this guy was telling us to look. Yeah, he's into trying to drag me into it too. He's dragging everyone into it, so I just blocked him with all of our accounts. So uh, he's like, "You so see the you, you see the shit? You need to police. call him out." I don't police people's fucking timelines. People listen to the show. I don't, whatever. It's free country. Don't drag me into your bullshit. You call that fucker out. I don't know. <laughs> it's not my fucking job. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I also, everyone. I also definitely wow. have this dude blocked. I hate when people pull me into shit because, like, anytime somebody <laughs> says anything problematic, it's like, let me go talk to mean, bad feminist mom and tell her people are being mean to me. <laughs> oh, no. It's like, chill anyway. the fuck out, man. Grow up. Um... Back to Star Any Time. Hoot. One of my favorite scenes in this film was uh, Wendy is laying in her bed, no covers on. She's laying there. She has this really weird, like tall and skinny doll that's laying in the bed with her. And she's like, she's laying there and the camera pulls out and there is uh, our character is Henry with the baby mask naked on the floor. That's like you're going like, to jump into like some Natalie and Brulia song or something. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> that by the way that is my wife's one of, one of my wife's uh, go-to karaoke songs uh, if you ever Brad, grab your guitar. Um <laughs> anyway but, but that man that is some creepy shit. Um Right Charlie? Charlie just Charlie just snorted. But um any other scenes that stand out with you? I mean, I feel like like the director didn't do too much after this, did uh, did he? Alexander Cassini. I didn't write anything down about uh, 
anything that he did after this. He did he did some stuff, but not a whole lot. I want to say he did a lot of TV. I, I just I can't believe. Oops, sorry. Edit no, that. No. You go first. <laughs> no, it just looks like he he had a pretty quiet career following this. Hmm. I just can't believe that Maureen, Maureen Teefy uh, went to fucking Juilliard. Uh, so <laughs> that's a thing. Um, yeah, I just I was just IMDBing around and it's like, I wonder what Maureen Teefy has done other than, you know, this and doing it for her country in Greece, too. And it said that she graduated from the drama division of the Juilliard School, which is insane wow. to me because that means that we have this incredible performer with all of this education who has not gotten to ever spread her wings and fly like the wonderful acting butterfly she is. Wow. She's due for a comeback. Like, I, I feel good about this. We're talking about this. I think we're putting it out in the zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. I think Maureen Teefy's going to come back. Yeah, Marine TV, if you're out there, let's let's bring you back. Well, it looks like she's in a short film called Hollywood Girl, the Peg Entwistle story from last year. And it has a bunch of people in it that I've never fucking heard of. So <laughs> no, let's, she should be on the Exorcist TV show. There you go. Yeah. Oh, God, that would be amazing. Those big eyes. She'd be perfect. Oh, yeah. No, she's uh, she's great, and the 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 three lead actors are all fantastic. They all hold hold their own. Um, yeah, I, I, I really dug this. Site. And uh, did I mention the score? I thought the score was actually pretty good. Like, I don't know if it's just me going in with no expectations on these VHS movies, <laughs> but it's always fun when there's like a, a a movie that I end up really loving. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks, Brad. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Anyone have anything else to say on uh, on Star Time? Star Time! Very atmospheric. So yes. check it out uh, if you can. Maybe that rumor is true. And maybe, uh, maybe the Blu-ray gods will smile upon us. And, uh, please, I would oh, love, please. I would oh, love, please. I would love to see this um, restored because you can tell that they... Like I said, it was very it, it, there's there's a theatrical it's a dark element movie too. To it. Yeah, yeah, it'd be it'd be nice mm-hmm. to see everything. <laughs> but um, yeah, it just I'd, I would love to see this thing restored. So uh, we shall see. Keep our fingers crossed. Bug all of your favorite Blu-ray labels and uh, see what's up. All right, Charlie, stop snoring. <laughs> it's a harsh review. <laughs> Snurf, or snorter. All right, let's move on into stream screams. Nate, wake up! There's something very important I forgot to tell you. Don't fucking scream at me. Scream, I'll break your neck. Don't scream, miss. Don't scream. Today, we're talking about 1971's Let's Scare Jessica to Death. It is available in HD. I saw it on Vudu, but I'm wondering, this is probably on any of your uh, streaming services that you may rent from. So it's available there. Uh, Looks pretty fantastic. I'm surprised that there hasn't been a Blu-ray release or home video release. I don't know who owns this film. Was it Paramount? 
No, I thought Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers did. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of like the opening. You know, Paramount I think it's, uh, Warner Pictures. Brothers. No, Paramount. Oh. Paramount. Calling yeah. on all the spirits of everyone who's ever died in this house, Jessica. I'm calling on all the spirits of everyone who's ever died in this house, Jessica. <laughs> Paramount Pictures presents Let's Scare Jessica to Death. the uh the synopsis for this brad i wrote this down very this, atmospheric very atmospheric i <laughs> know uh, um newly so released it is it is newly released from a mental ward jessica hopes to return to life the way it was before her nervous breakdown but when jessica moves to a country house with her husband and a close friend she finds a mysterious girl living in there who may or may not be a vampire spoiler alert that's Jessica's Emily, terror right? and paranoia resurface as evil forces surround her, making her wonder, are the visions real or is she slipping back into madness? This is a film I got to tread lightly with because I don't think a lot of people have seen it and you don't want to really spoil anything. This is from the uh, legitimate synopsis of the film that I just read. No, no, no. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's when we get into detail. I, yeah, this, this yeah, yeah. This is a made-for-TV movie, too, from the 70s. This is – I had no idea what to expect uh, with this film. It starts off You're very welcome. quiet. And our main character, played by Zohra Lampert, uh, is it. narrating the story and uh, – I really, really loved how this film kind of transitions. You get to know the characters and you get to know the story. Uh, it's very kind of deliberate with its pacing. I really loved, um, end up really loving everyone in the film, all the, the main characters. Like I said, Zohra Lampert plays Jessica. Um, she was in The Exorcist 3, did a lot of television. Uh, Barton Heyman plays Duncan. I believe that's her husband. He was in The Original Exorcist. And he was in Raising Cain. And then Kevin O'Connor plays Woody. And uh, he was a detective in, spe- in the movie Special Effects. And then he was a cab driver in It's Alive Part 3. Ooh. And then finally, their fourth player is Mary Carr Costello, Costello as Emily. She appeared in the, is it that fake documentary, Shadow of the Blur Witch? Huh. That fake documentary? Hmm. But, um. Written and directed by John D. Hancock, uh, Lee Kalchim also is involved in writing this. 
Mm, so very the atmospheric. Very atmospheric. <laughs> uh, I love the film. That's just going to be my go-to. Yeah, <laughs> moving forward. That... If I, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's a film that everyone should definitely watch. Uh, take the time and rent it. Um, and uh, I want to hear what everyone else thought. Okay. I. I thought this was going to be something completely different because in yeah. my brain, Let's Scare Jessica to Death was the initiation of Sarah, which is incorrect, but I oh, thought that it was going yeah. to be... I, I could see you getting those two confused. I mean, just by like titles. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. what it was. It's like a long sentence title that happens to be about a girl. So in my brain, Let's Scare Jessica to Death was going to be in the same vein as the initiation of Sarah. And... I, both I made was for TV. way wrong. Eh, that's true. Um, but I was way wrong, and I'm glad that I was wrong. I really, really enjoyed this a whole lot. Um, I don't know how I had convinced myself that I'd already seen this. I definitely hadn't. Um, I think that it's one of the few horror films that utilizes voiceover and narration in a uh, in a positive way i'm trying to tread because the things that i want to talk about are in relation to other <laughs> films but if i make those relations it'll spoil the fucking movie um i think that it looks very beautiful i think the score is really haunting and really beautiful at times um yeah this was an, an excellent find for sure mm -hmm. you're welcome again thank you <laughs> I just owe so much to you, Brad, at this point. Just thank you. Thank you. You're, well. You're welcome. I appreciate it. <laughs> um yeah, I don't know. I, I I think that the the character of Emily is the one that is most fascinating to me. Um obviously Jessica is our protagonist and that's who we want to follow. Um I like sort of how it plays with the conventions of, you know, she's recently released from, you know, the, the psych ward. So that immediately makes her an unreliable hmm. protagonist. And I love unreliable protagonists, but I, Emily is the one that I, I think is most interesting, but I can't talk too much about her because it spoils <laughs> the movie. So I won't, but I liked it. Was it ever explained, um, Jessica's fascination with the tombstones? No, because it, so. it opens. With I don't think it's ever explained. I think that's. I think that's just part of her, her being. Yeah. <laughs> One of her kinks, because she likes going to grave graveyards, finding really cool tombstones, and taking like a transfer paper and basically, you know, copying the tombstone. Really, uh. To be fair, that, there's probably that's a like. Hobby. I was gonna say, hobby? especially back then. Yeah, Is that, that a was legit like, hobby. Yeah. No, seriously. Really? Say, yeah, to be fair, there's probably like a bunch of goth kids doing that right now somewhere. <laughs> probably. Brad. Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, taking yeah, taking no. the impressions is pretty common. Okay. I mean, sorry, uh uh Stephanie, what are your thoughts on let's scare Jessica to death? Ha, you finally picked me before you, Brad. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> uh yeah, this is one of the uh just that title, Let's Scare Jessica to Death. I had heard that title for years and years and years and never tracked it down. And like everyone, I, I was almost imagining kind of like a prom night revenge uh, kind of theme. Of course, it's not that at all. This was a wonderful surprise. I love this. Um, you can all, 
I can almost say it's boring in a good way. (laughs) Like it just kind of lulls you into this beautiful pacing and the characters are so realistic. Um, Ms. Lampert is incredible in it. Uh, She's, she's very sweet and she plays unsteadiness with such subtlety. It's incredible. Her eyes are just amazing. Um, Yeah. had a great slow burn. Uh, it kind of reminded me of Romero's season of The Witch a little bit when it comes to pacing. Yeah, I can see that. And with its like sense of location, it kind of even brought me back to the Slayer, uh, just because <laughs> is that the location was a character unto itself. Like there's this kind of lengthy antiquing scene in it, and it's wonderful. I'm like, yeah, we're going antiquing now. I will go anywhere this movie takes me. Um, yeah, that's the thing with these characters, like you legitimately enjoy kind of hanging out with them and like, and the, uh, and Woody is, he's cool as fuck. That guy is cool. You want to, you want to hang out and smoke a joint <laughs> You with think so? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm not hanging out with Woody, but you know. No, 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 no. <laughs> and women might look at Woody differently than They might, maybe I, I they know, do. But- Maybe yeah, I'm not hanging out with Woody. No, okay. All right, all right. My bad. I apologize. Um, no, it's it's incredibly uh, unique while being, you know, reminiscent of a few films, but it, it definitely goes its own way. Um, I got a little bit of a Carnival of Souls feeling, maybe even like a tiny bit of Dead and Buried, even though it's nothing like those films, but like <laughs> it'll just take like a whisper of something and kind of thread it in. Um but yeah, I I loved it. It it was I wasn't expecting uh, just how deliberately paced and unique and wonderful it was. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm that's glad to hear. I I, I always this one this film's always kind of a a pleaser when people really don't know what it is or haven't seen it before. Obviously. Um, but yeah, I agree with everything that you both of you have said. It's like, uh, as far as like pacing, it's like I was always. Uh, have you ever seen the film Girly? No, no. Wait, who said yes? No one said yes. <laughs> Your dream co-host who isn't here, Brad. I'm sorry. Oh, um, Mike Delaney would probably say yes. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe. Yeah, you can go back to mistress. there. Go talk to Mike. <laughs> I don't know why I'm getting made fun of but for this, but okay. Um, so uh, yeah, I would, I would, I think you, BJ, and, and Steph, you guys would love Girly a hundred percent. So good. Um, I'll but track yeah, it the, down. The, the pacing with uh, something like Girly or like even the witch uh, who came from the sea. Uh, and, and kind of the atmosphere of that, that's what this film reminds me of. But everything you guys have said is just trying to figure out, uh, you know, the, the mystery of the film. But, um, yeah, it's got a great score. It's, uh, it looks creepy. It looks beautiful. It, uh, it, it has everything. And it's, and I wish that this film was a little more prominent and maybe, you know, had a, big theatrical release. Um, I've said that it's been a made-for-TV movie a couple times, but that's true, right? I'm just not making that up. It's made-for-TV. 
this was made for TV? I don't I don't think it was. No, I, I th- it has no, a PG thirteen rating, and that kind of threw me off because yeah, well, they, TV's it, usually unrated. Yeah, it was actually when it was initially um, released, it was maybe it, was it just, rated, maybe it bombed. It was, well, when it was initially released, it was rated G. This was before they really did a whole lot of rate proper ratings i believe in the right series. you were g or r Cause, yeah because it said it was rated g and i looked this up and i was like this movie's not rated g like it may be pg but um but yeah the the when they went back and re-rated this or whatever it's rated pg-13 um, that, that so maybe it just a bunch it of just movies. failed with the box office so it, my, yeah it, it got a bunch of, kind of made for tv references is basically <laughs> shit um, well, it got a lot of middling kind of reviews. And then the director, John Hancock, he did three movies after this. And he, then he did a whole lot of TV. He did uh, Band the Drum Slowly, Baby Blue Marine, and California Dreaming. And then he did a lot of TV. And then he directed in 1987 a movie called Weeds starring Nick Nolte. Thank you. You're um, welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> a little bit of trivia. I, I, <laughs> I took notes this episode. This is a big, this is a big deal for me. I'm I'm glad you took. I didn't I'm, write I'm, jokes like Mike Delaney, but I took notes. Damn, <laughs> there is so much shade being just, thrown just, on Mike just, Delaney just, right now. I'm just yeah. ribbing. I'm just ribbing you guys. I'm, I'm, I'm I, are you just mad yeah, that Dad got a new wife? Like, is yeah, is this a, a, is this a thing? A little bit. I, well, I, you know that you know that picture of that guy like with his girlfriend checking out the girl. You know that that meme totally got memed. Oh, up. the meme. Yeah, I created one with so with SOV pod and then, you know, Screamcast is, you know, he's walking with Screamcast, but he's looking at SOV pod. That's how I feel right now. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I'd like to talk about movies, <laughs> but I mean, you can get hey, no, no. I just, hey, this, is just and... this is just healthy banter. I love Brad and Mike and the song. Yeah, pod. I'm totally going to sleep well tonight. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I, long story short, like, like BJ and Steph have already perfectly said it, like, it's just one of those films that uh, is a huge crowd pleaser, um, because you kind of don't know what to expect, it movie kind of comes out of nowhere, and it's its own thing, and ho- hopefully, um, th- this is a film that I, I believe that would, if it was on Blu-ray, it would be a kind of a huge release for people because oh, yeah. people would be able to discover it and be, you know, we would hold it high up with uh, a lot of these other, um, you know, not joking around this time, but these a- atmosphere core films that, um, <laughs> you know, you, wa- I said not, it wasn't a joke. It's a ruined word now, Brad. I'm sorry. <laughs> God damn it. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's a beautiful movie and it's, and I, I still find it very creepy. Um, I, I think it is a very creepy movie. I mean, I'm sure it was a lot, a lot creepier in the seventies, but I think it still holds up. Um, it has a lot of great moments. The Chicago film critics society named it the 87th scariest movie of all time. Ooh, wow. 87. So look at that. Very nice. What was 86? I don't know. It was on their <laughs> I don't have the full list in front of me. I had I had to laugh uh, during this film. Uh, they're all hanging out, and I think they just got done. They're all having dinner, and Emily just out of the blue says, "Because they're talking about the house and, and everything," and then she just goes, uh, "Let's do a seance." And I figured that's kind of like a party mood killer. There's no way that I would stick around if somebody just you know threw that you out casually. It? Maybe you need to go to better parties. Yeah, it <laughs> no. sounds like that's be, be something fun to do. 
Really? Oh my God. I would be out of there so fast. Same. I mean, same thing. Like if somebody breaks out a Ouija board, I'm gone. As soon as I see that thing come out, I'm well, out, out the door. Bye. Oh, you're going to hate hanging out with me. <laughs> <laughs> what was the instrument? Was that a mandolin that she just started playing? Sure. I think so. Brad, I'm looking at you. You should probably know. <laughs> and then he just had a stand-up bass ready. Well, you know, well, he was he, he had quit like the Philharmonic Orchestra or something like that I to know. take care of it to just... take care of uh, Jen, of of Jessica. So, you know, he was uh, there. There's there's some tension in that relationship. Oh boy, yes. I'm more concerned about how you are scared of Ouija boards and seances. Fuck yeah. Because a, I, I've said this before, a demon will come out and uh, basically uh, possess you and will drag you to hell. I legit believed all this stuff song. as a child. There was a girl in the cast of Rocky Horror that I just performed with who is convinced that if you have sex on a Ouija board, you will open a physical <laughs> portal to hell. Not like not like a... a hypothetical metaphorical like a literal like a tear in the sky will happen and it will open a portal to hell so all i'm saying out there ladies weekend challenge accepted (laughs) um i have an okay that's good band name sweating uh we just sex portal (laughs) you're welcome if you guys use that i get uh two percent of the profits yeah (laughs) What's up, Chicago? We're Ouija Sex Portal. So what if you... 87 scariest band <laughs> in Chicago. <laughs> so what if you jerk off on a Ouija board? Like, not like you, like, shoot on a Ouija board, but, like, if you sit down or lay, just lay down and jerk off. That's just depressing. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's not... I don't think any portal does it just is make the port- Does it just make the portal appear, maybe? It doesn't actually open. <laughs> it just Newark. is there. A, a portal straight to Newark. Yeah. <laughs> to New York. Yes, Newark. <laughs> oh so, Sean, when, when we meet, we're doing a seance. <laughs> what are you going to do? And a Ouija board. <laughs> And we're going to fuck on it. (laughs) (laughs) Extra content. Make sure to film it. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. We we can put that on the Patreon. (laughs) Patreon. Yes. That and you and Mike having like a two hour hash it out session. Look forward to it. Just the divorce. The divorce hearings. Like what what do you guys get in the divorce? Right. 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 (laughs) (laughs) So what if someone pees on someone else on a Ouija board. <laughs> no? Uh, Alright. If no one's no. in the piss talk, I'll just stop. So. Yep. Uh, Portal to Bakersfield opens up. What about Shreveport? Or <laughs> Omaha. Shreveport Hackensack Cadillac. <laughs> Come on, guys. At least make an R. Kelly joke. Just don't steal mine. <laughs> 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 All right, so uh, so there we go. That that is let's scare Jessica to death. Um, check it out; it's available on Vudu. Is where I watch all my s- streaming rentals and all that oh, stuff. I saw it on. Uh, I rent it on Amazon Prime, so you could do that too. Wait, is it available for free on Amazon Prime? No, sadly. Oh, okay. So okay. I will be sending you my receipt. 
is the president of Synapse Films, uh, Don May Jr. Don, thank you so much for chatting with me today. No problem. Thanks for having me. I want to say just congratulations on this Suspiria release because it is it is absolutely gorgeous. And I, I say this as somebody in the past who has always kind of been a little bit of a smartass when it comes to the Steelbook uh, option, you know? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, when I, yeah. When I first, uh, you guys first started doing these steelbooks with the demons, uh, one and two, and I remember I, I said something, and this was a few years back, and I, I've I've grown since then, and uh, my, my appreciation <laughs> for, it, and just doing this podcast and knowing what goes into these releases, especially has has helped. But when Demons uh, 1 and 2 came out, I made some comment online or something about like, well, I'm just going to go get the Arrow release because they have them both on one and it's, uh, you know, it's cheaper. It's half the price, yada, yada. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know if it was you or someone who ran your social media. Somebody responded back with, uh, well, this is the ours looks better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It might have been my PR guy at the time. Yeah, because ours is. Ours was different, you know, or, you know, people, people do still say that they're like, well, I'll just get this one. We had a similar situation with popcorn, uh, an anti steelbook person was, uh, well, I'm just going to get the German one because they announced it and, and, and it says it's high def. So it's the same master. And of course the German one comes out and it's a rip of our Blu-ray and it's been noise reduced and it doesn't even have all the extras or options. It's like, okay, if you want to buy that one, go ahead. You know, you want to buy a, a, a version that was, you know, you know, done without our permission, you know, you're more than welcome to do that. You know, we actually had to go to the guy and say, Hey, listen, you know, you got to, get our permission to do this you know well i I learned my lesson because i ended up buying demons on blu-ray from you guys (laughs) it looked it looked it did look it looked phenomenal so i learned my lesson there um i've just you know i buy so many movies i always would kind of wager is this something i'm going to spend the money on um because you guys you guys don't churn out as much quantity i would say i guess but i would say the quality is up the quality is worth saving the money for. And that's just, this is something that I've learned since you guys have moved to doing the steelbooks. And then maybe six to uh, six to 12 months later, you'll release a standard version. You did just uh, announce that you're releasing uh, the, the plastic uh, Blu-ray case version of Suspiria. There's a couple options there. So um, in the past, I'd waited just because, but uh, depending on the film, but with Suspiria, for me, it's one of my favorite films um, I'd heard so much buzz about the, the screenings, the 4K re- restoration, that uh, this was a no-brainer. As soon as you guys announced the, the Steelbook, I, I had saved my money, set it aside. I knew that it was going to be worth it, and, and to me, it, it is. So I wanted to thank you guys for just a, just a, stunning, a stunning release. Um, and I always bag on slipcovers, and the slipcover was a nice touch. Yeah, you know, it, you know it's, it's, it's funny. We, you know, we get... 
you know, questions and things like this all the time. And, you know, you touched upon something where you said, you know, we don't put out as much quantity. And that's because I take too damn much time trying to make everything as perfect as possible. Um, you know, Suspiria took me three years and, you know, a combination of factors is the first one is, is that, you know, a lot of people don't realize that Synapse Films is just two guys. You know, they think we're like a, a big company with like a staff and we're not. It's just me and my business partner, Jerry Chandler. So we're juggling all these movies and trying to get them out. You know, just the two of us, you know, this morning I was up, you know, like at six o'clock in the morning, coordinating five, you know, releases for release today you know and and suspiria you know i wanted to make sure we got a hold of the, the director of photography luciano tavoli to make sure that what we were doing was correct uh, a lot of, of companies that you know have you know millions and millions of dollars and scores of employees are looking at you know hey we got to get this out for the bottom line and they and you know a lot of them just grab whatever they can get from the studio and put it out and uh you know we could have done the same for demons and demons too we could have grabbed the masters that that arrow had and just put them out but i knew better and i took my time and i made sure that uh that we were able to put out the best versions that we can and and sometimes you know sorry to say for the impatient collectors out there and the horror fans but sometimes that takes a while you know, um, you know, we had to wait, you know, every project brings new uh, difficulties. And sometimes when you, you think you've got something ready to roll and then you end up going, oh, no, uh, case in point, uh, our upcoming Massacre at Central High that we're working on, you know, we announced that title a long time ago. And uh, for reasons out of our control, uh, the director uh, had some personal issues that he had to take care of before we could continue. And he be, and he sort of dropped out of the limelight for over a year. And, uh, I'm, you know, and so we waited for him and now we're, we're getting back on. So, you know, sometimes these things take a long time. Um, we're not a major studio who's like, got a bunch of bean counters going, you know, we have to make X amount of dollars every quarter or we're going to start firing people. You know, we're just two guys sitting in an office at the end of the runway at Detroit Metro, you know, trying to put out some titles to keep the lights on, you know, it's quality wise. Definitely. It, it is, it is paying off. And, um, I, I wanted to ask you since, cause Suspiria was announced a few years back. What were some of the, can you let, let us know some of the uh, roadblocks that had delayed it for so long. Was it just getting the restoration? You got more or- than 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I do, but, uh, but I want people to understand like what, what goes into these because you know, as, as, as a, as a podcast doing this and we're, we're fans, we're collectors ourselves and we bitch and moan about things as much as the next guy. So mm-hmm. my, my goal sure. is to kind of start, I want to start, especially this year, start collecting interviews from you know from the those involved with putting these releases out because i think it's important as i've learned uh these stories that it's important for i think people to hear so right well with suspiria you know it it was one of those titles that you know well first of all it's suspiria you know <laughs> uh no 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 uh offense uh uh 
you know, given to something, you know, something of lesser quality, you know, but Suspiria is sort of like the, the, the ultimate Argento. And, you know, a lot of people consider it one of the top 10 horror films of all time. So I knew that, you know, we couldn't just, you know, put something out. I, we had to, to take every step that we could afford to make sure that it was correct. And when we licensed the title and we got it, we were all excited and, uh, they wouldn't let us have the negative, uh, shipped to the United States. Um, it was, the negative itself was locked up in Technicolor Rome. And at the time that we were getting everything together for the release, Technicolor Rome was in the midst of a lot of layoffs and closings. And they were like, well, Technicolor Rome is closing. And we're like, well, wait, what? How are we going to get this thing scanned? And they're like, well, and then weeks went by. And weeks went by when we were like, what, you know, are we going to be able to get this thing scanned or what? You know, and then it literally came down to two weeks before Technicolor Rome was closing their doors. We were already on like Christmas break, I think, and they were closing on like December 31st. And I hadn't heard anything. And then all of a sudden they're like, okay, Technicolor Rome, we're going to get this done and we're going to ship everything to you. Uh, and I was like, okay, great. Well, two more weeks, three more weeks go by and I get all the data. Now, when you do a 4K scan, you have to, kind of put everything on hard drives and Suspiria was like 12 terabytes just to give you an idea of how crazy huge it was. And then of course you can't just have one copy. You got to have more than one, you know, for safety, but they sent us these tapes, these, these, uh, these tapes of the data of, of the ones and zeros of 12 terabytes of data for Suspiria. I finally get them. And then three of the tapes are corrupted. And Technicolor Rome is already closed. They've already laid everybody off. And I had no one to talk to. And I'm like, wait, now what? Uh, so more, a couple more months went by before Technicolor Rome was able to corral all the materials for Suspiria and move them somewhere else. And just by the luck of the draw, a couple of the employees of Technicolor Rome went to a new lab and they said, okay, We'll, we'll rescan this material for you. And oh, by the way, while we were, uh, we were moving everything, we found the original opening and closing credits, which on any of the previous release, the, 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 there was a, there's another competing uh, 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 4K out overseas, which the director of photography doesn't even want to acknowledge that it exists because he thinks it looks terrible, but they had to recreate the opening and closing credits digitally. Um, because at the time no one knew where this stuff was. Well, it was sort of a happy accident. You know, once the tapes were corrupted and we had to redo everything, they found the opening and closing credits. So we ended up getting everything, you know, uh, it was, but it was a very uh, ulcer-inducing time, <laughs> for, you know, because what people don't realize is, you know, Suspiria wasn't exactly given to us. It was expensive. We had to pay for it. We had to, we had to pay a premium to get it scanned overseas because they wouldn't let us have the material shipped to the U.S. where I could supervise it. So it was a lot of sleepless nights going what happened to this and what did we pay for? And, you know, starting to, to wonder if, you know, what we were doing was, you know, 
worth it. You know, you, you, you get, you start to think, Oh my God, you know, this is a lot of the, a lot of the little things like this, that the, some of the fans that, uh, you know, that the, the complainers and <laughs> they, they don't understand what goes into this sometimes. We get passionate, but yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, and then, and then of course we get the material uh, rescanned and we finally get the, 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 the data. And then of course we have to back everything up. So you're making, you're paying for 12 terabytes of data backed up two or three times and you're doing it at a studio where they're charging you by the megabyte, you know, so there's more charges. And then once we had a look at it, I, you know, then we realized the negative is in pretty shitty shape. I mean, uh, you know, at one point we thought, wouldn't it be funny if we just put like what the raw scan looked like somewhere as an extra feature. And then it was just like, no, because as but it'll take away bits to make the movie, the best quality, you know, bit rate we can get. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the negative was torn. There was frames missing. It was ripped. It was spliced. It was, there was fingerprints on the splices and it was just hell. And I honestly, at when after all we went through with Suspiria just to get the data, the months we had to wait, I I I about gave up on the business. I'll be honest with you, I was so frustrated with Suspiria. I was like, you know what? I am so done with this business right now. I'm le- I'm done. I'm gonna throw my hands up in the air and leave and go become a barista or something (laughs) i was like you know i can't i can't do this anymore because you know you've got expectations from the fans and they're waiting and you're waiting and you know i gave up on social media about four uh three or four years ago you know my father passed away and i just waking up every morning looking at facebook and seeing the complaints and the whining and the screaming and the other people, you know, spilling their own personal problems out on Facebook. It's like, you know what, you know, I'm done. And I, and I canceled my Facebook account and I've never been back. Um, but, uh, you know, Suspiria was a lot of hurdles. And then, you know, we, you know, you hear a lot of uh, other companies touting how much color correction and all this, Oh, we did, you know, 20 hours, 30 hours, 40 hours of color correction in 4k. We paid a hundred. We did a hundred and sixty-eight hours of color correction on Suspiria in four K. You know, so don't 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 impress me with your hey. We did forty hours of color correction. It's like no, <laughs> you know, no, no, no. When you when you're doing a hundred and sixty plus hours of color correction in four K on something, you know, the 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 forty hours means absolutely nothing to me. Doesn't impress me. You know, I spent days. I mean, if you think about how many actual 24-hour days that is, that's how much I spent in front of a monitor. And then we had to go back through it to do the theatrical color space. So when we put it out in the theaters, you know, that's not the same color space as what's on a Blu-ray and a DVD. Um, In technical terms, a Blu-ray and a DVD is Rec. 709 color space, a theatrical as a P3 color space, so we actually had to do two color paths. So one for our 4K DCP theaters, and another one for home video. And uh, it was a nightmare, <laughs> you know. 
the and then we had the audio and then uh, you know everything else that we had you know Vincent Pereira who I uh you know entrusted with the the four channel audio mix uh did an awesome job uh getting you know the original mix uh that was done in 77 uh, on the disc as a four channel you know, as the original LCRS four channel. So, you know, the road to the finished Suspiria was a long one. Um, but in the end, after all the grief and all the pain and all the gray hairs and uh, ulcers and sleepless nights, I, I've been in this business for 25 years and I think it's the best thing that I've ever done. Uh, it's, it's, you, yeah, you guys should definitely be very proud of it. I mean, you guys should be proud of all your releases for sure. I mean, like I said, like, uh, just, just as I, I mean, I started becoming more, uh, diving into more serious, serious, serious collecting is the wrong thing to say, but kind of just paying attention to the labels and who's putting out what and, and the work that they do. I just, just, you know, only really started paying attention over the past few years. And, um, you guys definitely, as far as the care that gets put in these films, it's, it's definitely noticeable and, and appreciated. And, and, and Synapse is, I mean, this, that film is such a work of art with the, the music and the color. I mean, it's just, it's one of those, I can, I totally get the, uh, the pains you'd want to go through to get it right just because it, it's it's a film that pops off the screen it was too important for me to do it half-assed you know i mean my business partner jerry he's the number counter in our, in our company and he was just like jesus christ when this is coming out you know we've spent you know god knows how many tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars to do this thing we got to get this thing out and i'm like i know i know but this it's not ready yet it's not ready yet you know and uh, I wasn't going to do Suspiria until it was ready. I wasn't re- going to release it until it was ready to go. And then, you know, when we did the, you know, the we showed it uh, at Warner Brothers um, when I was uh, getting the DCP created. And then uh, the, the folks at Fox saw it uh, out in L.A. And they're like, wait a minute, you know, we own theatrical on this. Let's, let's, let's do this thing. It's the 40th anniversary. Let's let's put this in theaters. And so Fox took it over and put it in. Yeah. I mean, I think there was even one night, uh, maybe in early October when it played in like over almost 200 theaters at the same time. I mean, it was, it was crazy. The theatrical release. And then, then of course that actually really helped, you know, when the steelbook came and went so fast, you know, it was a little bit of a shocker, you know, I love, you know, going back to the, the fans, I remember when we announced that we were doing 6,000 units, it's, it's hilarious. You know, there's people, they go, oh, 6,000 units, they're going to have these forever. They didn't sell their other stuff. They still got all their other steel books around. Uh, this is going to, I'll order it in a couple of years, blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, it sells out. And then it was all of a sudden, these people were like, well, wait a minute. They knew it was Suspiria. Why didn't they make more? It's Suspiria. <laughs> you have to set <laughs> you know, aside I the cash. The, <laughs> I love, well, that's an interesting uh, 360 from what uh, they were just saying, you know, three or four months ago. First, it was, oh, we'll buy it. We'll buy it a coat, you know, later because they're never going to run out to wait. Why didn't they make more? They knew it was Suspiria. They should have done more than uh, Hey, you, you snooze, you lose. Well, you guys have the stand, this, the, I say standard, but you have a single disc version coming out and then you have the, uh, the double, the two disc version coming out. Um, those are on, over on, on the website. Believe it or not, we actually have a, a DVD, which may very well be, may very well be the swan song for our Synapse DVDs. You know, it's, uh, the DVD market is, is pretty much dead. And, uh, 
you know, and, you know, we don't sell more than a few hundred DVDs anymore. You know, everything's Blu-ray. And uh, people kept saying, hey, how come no DVD? How come no DVD? How come no DVD? And I was just like, okay, we'll put out a DVD, <laughs> you know. And, uh, you know, and that might be the last one. I mean, we put out a DVD of uh, Creep Behind the Camera and uh, stuff like that. But, you know, the sales are, are next to zero for DVD media these days. But there are still some people out there who still cling on to the DVD format, even though they could go buy a Blu-ray player for about the same price. Oh, as yeah. DVD. yeah. <laughs> yeah. 25 bucks and get yourself something decent uh, anymore. But uh, one, fi- one final question for you, and then, I'll, and then we'll wrap up here. But um, there was, you know, the whole, you know, UHD 4K Blu-rays are all out now. Do you guys uh-huh. do you guys plan on jumping into that format at all? or? Well, like all, a lot of other indies, Mm-hmm. A lot of other indies we're 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 investigating, but we can't get any answers. And by answers, I mean how much. You know, I mean, look, I just picked up you know uh, RLJ Entertainment, um, which is which used to be Image. You know, they jumped into UHD. They put out uh, 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 was it Brawl and Block ninety nine or whatever, and then they put out um, uh, Mayhem. You know, Joe Lynch's film. And, you know, it's not in, you know, HDR or anything. It's just very basic 4K. Um, and I see people complain. You know, hey, it's not in BT2020. It's in Rec 709 <laughs> color space. Hey, it's not in HDR. Why do studios do this to us? Why don't they put it out in HDR? Why do they do this? Why am I not buying it? Blah, 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 blah. Well, you know, so... So as a small company, we're not a studio, okay? So we can't walk into Fox and say, hey, let's put Star Wars out in BT Planet Color Space and let's do an HDR pass because, you know, we own the movie forever. Well, you know, studios haven't been able to tell us how much to do a real BT 2020, which is the colors, the proper color space for UHD Blu-ray is, B, is called BT2020. It's different than Blu-ray and DVD. It's a completely new color pass, as well as the uh, high dynamic range uh, pass that you have to do on the films. For well, you don't have to. People complain if you don't. Um, you know, on on the 4K uh, Blu-rays. Uh, as a small company of two guys, you know, we're finding out the authoring software is like something like $70,000. Um, a studio, you know, the stu- I've been asking, I, I asked Warner Brothers, I asked my buddies at some, some labs, I was like, okay, if we bring the 4K data in for Suspiria and we decide, you know, a couple of years down the road when we can get, you know, we don't go broke, what, what's a, if we wanted to do a 4K, how much is this going to cost? Nobody can give us a price. Nobody. I have, I have asked replication plants, how much does it cost to replicate a 4K Blu-ray? No one's been able to give me prices. And, you know, I think right now, even when we did Blu-ray, you know, when, we, when Blu-ray was introduced, it took us three, two, three years to jump in because the prices were so high on making a blu-ray when they first came out that it was really relegated to the majors which is what's happening with uhd blu-ray right now 
if you want to do it, you know, who, who's going to want Suspiria if I don't do it in the correct color space and if I don't do it in HDR? If I put out a, a, a 4K version of Suspiria in the Blu-ray color space with no HDR, everybody's just going to complain. <laughs> yeah. So we don't need that. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so if, but, but if they come back to me and they say, well, to do an HDR pass and a BT 2020 color pass on Suspiria, that's going to cost you about, I don't know, 30, 35, well, $30, $35,000. No, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to half ass it. I'm not going to, you know, I, that there, there are studios out there and I'm not going to say who, but there are there are plenty of releases out there where they they turn on the HDR. They I call it set it and forget it. You know, so you're watching a movie in HDR on Ultra HD Blu-ray, and you're like, why is this daytime scene so damn dark? You know, it didn't look this dark in in, in the film. You know, if I'm going to do suspense, I got to do it right. I got to do a scene for scene color pass, and I got to do a scene for scene HDR pass. And until the prices come down, or at least they can tell me realistically how much something like that's going to cost is you know uhd is going to be you know way down the road for us and i imagine that's the case for many independent uh, uh players in the business you know because we don't want to go broke no. you know you do you one mistake one mistake and you're done you know the 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 industry is very 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 different than it was you know 10 15 years ago when we all had our our products sitting on the shelves of Best Buy and Suncoast and Media Play and 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 uh, you know and and uh, Kim's Underground and and uh, you know Circuit City, where you know we don't we don't have those places and the Borders Books and Music, which used to carry everything, you know us little guys, uh, us us little independents. Uh, we don't have the luxury of getting space at the at the only game in town these days, Best Buy. And that's and that's even shrinking. That whole every year that whole section shrinks and shrinks and shrinks. So it's a it's a tough business. Well, Don, thank you so much for chatting with me about Suspiria and, and the business of Synapse. And we you know we definitely wish you all the best, and we look forward to uh, you know sending some more money your way for your future releases for sure. <laughs> I'm sure, it's gonna <laughs> thank happen. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. What's funny is now this is how I mean I I feel like I'm just recently like I don't know the past decade I I jumped into horror more than I ever had and I had never seen Suspiria uh, until I saw the movie and this is stupid but the movie Juno uh, where she talks about uh, Suspiria and I was like oh I guess I better watch Suspiria if it's in Juno what? so I rented Suspiria and I watched Suspiria. No one is allowed to give Diablo Cody shit ever again for the rest of her life because she got shown to watch Suspiria. Yeah, seriously, that that's the reason why. I mean, I was like, I'm like, well, shit. Diablo Cody says that it's like this hallmark of horror. I better freaking watch this thing. She no, get you to watch around. Wizard of Gore too? Not yet. No, I've not. What? Oh my god! <laughs> Wait, what? There's what, a what major was the other movie. Wizard of Gore. Wizard of Gore. Yeah. Oh yeah, Sean doesn't watch movies. There's there's some major <laughs> holes in my uh, in my my classic horror. So uh, so I 
immediately rented on DVD Suspiria and I loved it. And it's just been a favorite of mine. Um, and I think it was actually may have been my first Argento film that I watched. And then I, uh, started going down the rabbit hole of, uh, of finding all these other horror films. Um, but yeah, no, I saw it when I watched Suspiria, it was kind of my first, as I started to do more deep dives into the horror genre, cause I'd done, you know, all the eighties, like, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street and, and Friday the 13th, all those ones, but I had never started jumping into more of the Italian films, something like that. And, uh, Suspiria was kind of like my first entry into that. And, uh, and, you know, we, we, we've, you know, everyone who listens to this, to this show has obviously seen Suspiria. So, uh, I want to hear how everyone was introduced to Suspiria since I was, I came to Suspiria late in the game. So I'm interested in hearing your guys' stories when you discovered where in your little, uh, your, your horror journey did you discover and watch Suspiria? Mine one was when I was way too young. Um, <laughs> I think we discussed this on the Argento just like grand episode, but opera was actually my first foray into Argento. And similarly to how I discovered Ms. 45 before I spit in your grave, uh, I just returned opera to the video store and the guy behind the counter was like, I'm glad you like that. However, comma, you should watch this instead. It's better. And uh, sent me home with Suspiria. And I fucking loved it. Uh, it's very atmospheric. Um, it's beautiful. And I have a mild obsession with Suspiria and sort of the cinematography. And I guess at this point, it's, it's just iconic. Um, I have the hot pink Chris Garofalo Suspiria print he did with the the ballerina in the mask and then he modified that artwork to do kind of that that's limited run series of all your gentle films um, but I have that on my wall it will likely get tattooed on my body when I finally you know toughen up and and get get some ink done um but yeah Suspiria is a uh, one of my favorite films of all time regardless of genre and I probably should not have watched it as young as I did, which I think I was probably like 11 or 12, but eh, that just gave me more time to love it. Yes. 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 Scary, spooky, Italian shot ballerina horror. Plus witches. Don't forget the witches. (laughs) Yes. With the witches. How about you, Steph? Yeah, I I think I did mention on the Argento episode, uh, but I was getting into horror. And of course, Argento comes up immediately Mm -hmm. uh, when you start reading. And uh, a video store had just opened up and I was about 19, I guess. And he had the uh, fancy Anchor Bay version. You could either rent from the store or you could buy from the store. And he was selling it for $20. So I just went up and bought it. And he, I just remember him being so angry at me. <laughs> like, <laughs> don't put it for sale, man. Uh, and it, it blew my mind. Uh, I had never seen a film like that. Well, since I haven't seen a film like that, but... After seeing like a lot of kind of grungy, low budget horror movies, seeing something that gorgeous, that artistic and that very atmospheric, it just kind of blew my mind. And 
I became obsessed with Argento. I'm pretty sure opera was my next one. And yeah, it, it was all uphill from there. Uh, Argento is still one of my favorites. And I've seen the movie so many times, I actually rewatched it today. And no matter how closely I watch it, I always find something new. I always feel something new. A, a different scene stands out to me. And I fall more in love with Jessica Harper. Oh, she's great, yeah. I was wa- I was watching this movie one time where <laughs> this this high schooler gets pregnant and these people do this close adoption. <laughs> Shut up. And she likes and she likes Teen Wolf Two in that one. <laughs> she likes punk rock and like horror movies and stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I um, I honestly i I wish I had a more uh, because usually I have stories. A lot of movies I see um, that I remember the first time. Um, this was just one of those random picks at Blockbuster. I imagine I saw it very young. Um, it stood out. I bought it on VHS, then I bought it on DVD, and then that expanded Anchor Bay DVD came out, and I bought that, and I have a Blu-ray from, like, Italy or something, um, (laughs) when that came out a couple years ago. So, eventually, I'll get the Synapse, uh, Synapse, whatever the fuck you're supposed to say. Um, but, yeah, it's always stood out to me. It's, um, it's a very beautiful movie. Um, very atmospheric. It's just, it's such a great blend of, uh, like art house horror with kind of, um, uh, kind of like a pseudo slasher with, uh, giallo elements. Um, obviously I still stand by that Suspiria is not a giallo, even though people argue with me. Um, but it yeah, shares yeah, yeah. it it shares some qualities to uh, giallo films. Um, we have uh, I think one kill with black leather gloves and a and a and a uh, razor. But um, yeah, it's just it's just one of those films that really stood out. And I um, watched it again recently, probably like Steph. I've seen this movie too many fucking times. But uh, last time I got to see it was um last week i i rewatched it because i knew we were gonna watch it for the show uh or talk about it on the show and i uh, actually showed it to willow and she was uh she's 12 so she uh she really loved it she was like she didn't expect that she i told her we're gonna watch like a horror film but it's not quite like 100 percent a horror film um and she really dug it uh she likes she's kind of in this witch phase right now anyway um, so she really liked when the reveal is that, uh, it's uh, witches and shit, but, um, yeah, I don't really remember my first time, but, uh, I, I, it's grown old with me for a while. It's, uh, I think one of the first Argento films that I saw, I think his name, uh, was in my head after I think I saw demons and I remember his name popping up in that movie. Um, and then I had my all movie guide and I was like, oh, he worked on this movie. And then I was like, oh, he directs. That's cool. And then, yeah, just became obsessed after that. Have any of but, you seen this on, on the big screen in a theater? I would love to see this theatrically. I it's on my bucket list. 
<laughs> I went to see it on my birthday, and the print didn't arrive at the movie theater. <gasps> no. Like I was sitting in oh, my shit. seat. I'm kind of cursed with this movie now wow. that I think about it. <laughs> Just because like, when I was watching it this this last time here on on the Blu-ray, I mean, I'd never seen, I, I I've never seen it this vibrant, you know, because all the other times I've watched it was uh, it was DVD and. Just like every single frame of the film, like could be just pick a frame and just you can just, you know, mount it on a wall. You know, it's it's just it's that it's so gorgeous from start to finish. Even the like the brutal and like gory scenes, like there's still a beauty to them, you know, um, it, and was this uh, the beginning when the the he's pushing the the killer or whoever is pushing the girl's face up against the glass and you hear the glass cracking that mm. oh my god that seems like that that like scenes like that are just incredible i've never seen anything quite like it and and if you do you know that they're just cheap imitations like there's i don't know there's something about Suspiria that has always resonated with me and this yeah this thing from start to finish is just a uh, the wall-to-wall music and and just the the lighting and colors is fantastic. My 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 daughter walked in and to watch a little bit of it with me, and I I was wondering, Brad, I was going to ask you, you know, uh, if, if Willow had seen it, and I, I think this is something that she would probably get a lot out of. My daughter, yeah, would it's too. a She's safe kind of, movie. There's actually, yeah. it's weird that um, you know there really isn't any being from Italy and from Argento and. Uh, kind of the history with those films. There's no sexual stuff in this movie whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's it's a safe movie to show your kids. I don't see why it would be any harm. And I mean, like I said, it's more of like an art piece. It's like going to a museum and like watching like moving pictures or something like that. Yeah. So let's take a. I want to take a poll real quick, and I don't want to dwell mm-hmm. too long on it because obviously it's not. So, of the four of us, who thinks that this remake is going to be worthy? Mm. No, nope. I think I think it's going to be a hundred percent. I think it's going to be one of the top horror films of 2018. <laughs> that is a bold claim. Oh, like in terms man. of box office or quality? Quality. Or bo- well, you know, because okay. the the Flatliners remake did pretty good. Uh, Shut the fuck up. Movies have been made. I this one with who's behind it. It's a little bit more independently made. Yeah, it's not a studio movie. And with that, I think we will have something special. I I hope so. I mean, if they do, it would have to be just so incredibly different because, and especially with this director coming off of "Call Me by Your Call Me by Your Name." Yeah. Like this. Yeah. This- so, I, yeah, you do make a really good point. And my only beef, honestly, and correct me if I'm wrong, is I do not like the idea of Dakota Johnson being a, the lead. I don't think that she's particularly bad, but I do not think she can carry a film. And I think she's going to get outacted by every single person in that cast and it's going <laughs> to bring it down. That's what I'm fearful of. I hope we have a Heath Ledger situation or something where it's just like, we're like, oh, well, that's not probably the greatest idea. And then we're like, oh, we're totally wrong. 
I hope so. I mean, but I don't know, man. This is like to me just rewatching Suspiria. I was just like, man, this is just this is one of my all time just favorites. I can put this on any time and just watch it. Like I don't have to be in the mood to watch it. Like I, this is something I can definitely put in and just let it, you know, like let it take me over for a little while and, you know, for a couple hours and just it sounds enjoy like you're it. describing my dick inside you. Yeah. Yeah. I like exactly. this. That's exactly this is what I'm sexy. About, um, but yeah, you know, we'll see. I always hope that a movie's good. I always kind of, I'll give a remake a chance. Uh, but I don't know, man, it's freaking Suspiria. <laughs> I don't know. It's a tall Honestly, order. It is also- I would hate to be the director. There's a lot of pressure. The director's probably, uh, <laughs> well, what's even it. crazier, too, is that when they had first announced, because they've been talking about doing a Suspiria remake for quite some yeah. time now. And when it first was announced that it was being remade back in 2008, uh, David Gordon Green was the one who was attached to it. And now yeah. he's not doing it and he's doing Halloween. So it's like, God damn, like that dude, like people really, really trust him. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there's also, um, I think, the guy who uh, directed the remake of Evil Dead was attached at one time, too, right? I think you're right. Something like that. Yeah, so I I think they're being very careful about this. I think they know what they have, and they're not just remaking a horror film. There's also so much, um, because Suspiria is such a beautiful movie, and like we've said plenty of times and obviously if you just watch it it's it's very well done as far as um you know between cinematography uh, color you know uh just lighting everything about it so they know that that's what the audience is going to expect but you also have to do it in a new and inventive way um you know the storyline isn't all that much with Suspiria so that's fairly easy I think that they could elaborate a little bit more um, uh, on certain things for sure. Uh, what I like about Suspiria is they don't. It's very quick. Once you talk to Yudo Kier, you kind of know what's happening, and there it just all unfolds. I wouldn't mind for that to be expanded just a tiny bit, and I hope that that's what they do. Especially now we're kind of in this day and age where witches and black magic and all that shit's kind of you know very popular. Um, but I, I think it's something that would be fun to see remade and not, I, I don't, not so much one of those people that says, oh, it doesn't, don't touch it. It doesn't need to be done. Let it happen. Let's, let's see what they got because I think more studios and more producers are starting to realize that, uh, bigger isn't better. Mm-hmm. And um, they're kind of using their brains with uh, who they're choosing for these films. So we'll see. I don't know. I, I, feel, I, I have high hopes for it. How do you feel about Tom York doing all of the music for it? Yeah, that caught me off guard big time. Um, I'm not a huge Radiohead fan. I'm not either. <laughs> so but... that's why I'm very like, oh. <laughs> Well, I, I think Tom, Tom York's solo stuff is, I mean, it's very, it's Radiohead-ish, but it's, it's, it's a lot, it's pretty different. And I like his, if you've heard his solo stuff, no, I don't know, man. I, I, yeah, I, but you're scoring Suspiria. I, I yeah, mean, it's Tom York. Like, I, I, honestly, is that I don't your opinion know. or did Juno teach you that? 
<laughs> and Johnny Greenwood does all does soundtracks now. Yeah, yeah so it's not him. That's a I'm, fair I'm, point. I'm curious to to see like where they would go. I mean, you're number one. You're remaking an iconic horror film, but you also have an iconic soundtrack. Um, so to see where they would go with that, I don't know. I when they announced Tom York, I was I. Maybe it's going to be like a Mike Shinoda Lincoln Park raid deal where it's like, <laughs> oh, wow, that completely is unexpected for being so awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. But see, He's all tough. these elements yeah. aren't lining up and maybe that's for the best. Well, they, yeah, what I'm hearing, what I've, what I've been reading is that it's uh, they definitely want it to be completely different and it's kind of its own beast. So. We'll see. It sounds like they're being artistic with it. It sounds like they're they know what they're up against, and and that you know, it, I mean, it's in post production right now, so we're, we'll see soon. So we may have to do we may have to circle back around and and you know, see hopefully if, it plays uh, itself. See if you by. were right, Brad, because I I haven't been too keen on the Suspiria remake at all. Even with all these announcements and these people involved, I've just been like, ah, that's just an impossible thing to do. So we'll see. Nothing's impossible. It even says it in its name. I'm possible. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, um, any final words about uh, the Suspiria release? We'll uh, we'll move on. Nope. Okay. Very atmospheric. Very Very atmospheric. The word for the day. Very atmospheric. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up uh, this episode here. I actually, uh, let's see here. I'm, 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 I'm trying to plan ahead so we know what we're going to be talking about on our next shows. So uh, next time we're going to be doing these shows, uh, I believe every two weeks and in between our show, you're going to hear a new splat house. So it'll be our, sh- uh, you know, screamcast. And then the next week is splat house and it, it kind of thing. If you go over to screamingpods.com and check that out. But uh, next show, we are going to cover uh, gothic and I'm changing this up. You guys, uh, we're going to be doing uh, fright night Two because that is out on Amazon Prime right now. And uh, then our VHS pick is a film called Dark Tower, not the new uh, Gunslinger movie. That's awful. But uh, VHS, Dark Tower. So this is on deck for next uh, next time. If you head over to thescreamcast.com, you'll see we have a whole new logo. Huge thank you to Kevin Spencer. He's been wanting to kind of revamp the logo for a couple of years, and uh, he finally got a chance to do it. And uh, I absolutely love it. Some people said they didn't like it as much as their last logo. That's, that's fine. That's okay. You don't have to. That, lo- that old logo is not going anywhere. It's still archived. You can save the JPEG. JPEG. So huge thank you to uh, Kevin Spencer for doing that. You can check out his artwork over at inkspatters.com. Uh, Wolfman of Mars, thank you for letting me use your music for the show. I was going to change out the intro, but uh, everyone said uh, no. So fuck it. No. last thing I got to do. Fuck it. Also, grindhousevideo.com. Please check out their Blu-rays and movies. And you you can, I think he's selling, he sells his used stuff every now and then on Facebook. If you follow him, follow him there. So uh, go to grindhouse video or yeah, grindhousevideo.com. Check out all the movies there. Also find the Facebook page and, uh, and all that good stuff. Also, if you use the code screamcast, you get 10% off of a, an order over at coffee shop of horrors.com. Coffee shop of horrors. Hell to the yes. All right. Uh, so next week 
we got our next episode. We got a few films and then the following episode. So three episodes from now, or the third one from now, whatever, we're going to be doing a big vinegar syndrome uh, episode. So make sure you are uh, keeping tabs on all the vinegar syndrome releases and uh, watch them. And you can hear us talk about them. Keeping tabs. That's right. Uh, like I said, <laughs> go over to thescreamcast.com. You'll find all of our social media links there. Please check out screamingpods.com. Check out all the podcasts in our little podcast family. Um, Brad has been released. Brad and Mike Delaney have been releasing uh, the SOV pod every Friday. You guys are animals. Uh, animals. Ridiculous. So that uh, that will be coming up uh, every week and uh, and all that good stuff. All right. That's going to do it for this week's episode, uh, the first of 2018. Thank you all for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Oh, don't tell me you're leaving. The party's just begun.